0: Y'all being assholes today. Today. I can do whatever I want today. They announced the new fucking Metroid game.
1: <laughs> I almost forgot some big news. Chris, I was so. Oh, I don't want to say I was so happy for you. I mean, come on. I was pleasantly pleased for you today. I said, I can't get too excited. Except for I'm going to snipe that fucking game from under your nose. Uh, you can't afford it, brochacho. I'm literally bidding more money than you have left. You literally don't have the balls. You've been seeing big balls Gilly 4 the whole time. You, you
2: you can't do it. EJ, you can slow down. You don't have to bait him this hard. He's going to still have money left over to counter bid like Forza or whatever you're trying to go for.
0: I saved all my money for E3. I dropped seven $1 bids on games so that I could outbid you on anything I wanted on E3, and this is what I fucking want to do it for. And you knew it was coming. Also, EJ can't crawl out of the hole that he dug
1: himself. <laughs> I am in... Wait, well, hold, actually, I got to check. I think with Binding of Isaac... Okay, I, I don't want to see that. I'm in the lead right now. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I'm in the lead. Oh, did you get another game release? I'm at 65
2: with Binding of Isaac. You don't have 65 yet. We're not counting that till the end of the year. Oh, whatever. It's not what going to change. G- that's 10 so I'm points. gonna submit to a blog, and I'm gonna write a review for Binding Advisor for or whatever, i a four four out of ten. That's <laughs> Drag that that's fraud, down.
1: and I will sue you. <laughs> I will see you in court, sir. <laughs> Bring it up with the commission. <laughs> I am the commission.
2: There we go. There we go.
1: That's <laughs> a crusade podcast. Litigation crusade. We're all lawyers now, baby. This is Gilly for Olsen and Derhive. That is a mouthful for you.
2: Oh, oh maybe a triple! You're my damn
1: right. God, it's E3 this week, man. And I thought I'd be excited because y'all were talking about it, and I've been really deep into this fantasy critic thing. Like I've been, I've been in the fucking the algorithm, man, the matrix. Um, trying to figure out how I'm gonna come back and beat y'all. And I was like, I got, <laughs> dude. I okay, I literally spent like half an hour the other day trying to figure out, like, doing research on all the games that I. It was still eligible to drop to figure out, like, okay, if I bid on X game, the likelihood that that's going to give me more points than, say, Shin Megami Tensei Five which might only give me nine points or some shit, right? So anyway, E3. I thought I'd be more excited for it. I- Turns out I wasn't. I know Chris had expressed in the group chat that this E3 fucking sucked, which oh, yeah. I have no horse in the race,
2: but... In that regard, Chris was specifically talking about, I would imagine, Square Enix which was like fumble after fumble for 30 minutes or however long they presented. Oh yeah, I'm really glad I
0: didn't waste time with that. That was the only other one I was like really excited about since Sony doesn't care anymore because they think they're untouchable, which is a big fucking mistake. And Microsoft slash Bethesda don't have any games coming out this year that matter, uh, in my opinion. Um, So yeah, Squeenix was a big old fat face plant. So if you give a rat's ass about games that you're going to have your hands on in the next six months, Th- there was there was nothing doing at most of these most of these pressers.
1: So after after your text, Chris, I went back and checked out the Square Enix uh, press conference because I don't give a shit about almost anything Square Enix does. Dude, they led off with like over twenty minutes of Guardians of the Galaxy. What the fuck was
2: that? It was an interesting choice. It's tough because E three and just any commercial for these games it's it's easy for us to say we don't want to see a cg trailer and that's it and at least good on square enix for showing a bunch of gameplay like i can respect them for that it just wasn't a very exciting sort of slice of gameplay and i have seen opinions that they were like i've seen people that are super stoked for it and i just i don't see where that's coming from i thought the combat looked really bad i thought the the writing was just horrendous it was this really bad quippy like try hard kind of stuff and it just wasn't like resonating with me but if you're into that then that's like really cool for you but just the 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 fuckboy uh Peter Quill hair I mean it matches the character I mean at least that is like <laughs> yeah. for I mean it's for him but it just was really annoying and stupid for me to look at <laughs> badly written try hard humor is literally
0: all that Guardians of the Galaxy is and yeah I said it and yeah maybe that's why hottest take in a minute on this podcast but i cannot stand the guardians of the galaxy movies
2: yeah i can't disagree with you as far as like the the ethos behind it but i've enjoyed the movies never any of the comics but this is definitely like video game version of that and video game like western video game writing is hor- like horrible like japanese video game writing is really bad too but at least it's corny and anime and i can like forgive it for that because of the trappings <laughs> but when western developers try to make me take them seriously it just makes me roll my eyes it's all bad You guys make good points. It looks
1: cheesy as hell. The Guardians, one movie, I thought, like, did the Marvel, like, formula pretty well, but had enough, like, pathos to, like, make me care. I think the second one, everybody got flanderized, and it was like, okay. And then you watch this trailer, like, I I see what they're doing. But it's not landing. And the uncanny fucking, like, okay, these are all the characters I spent the last five or six years with, but, like, now... Like, what is... It's the same thing as the Marvel's Avengers game. It was, like, this
2: this uncanny valley thing of, like, it's kind of the guys I know, but kind of not. I think a lot of what contributes to that is them trying to make their people look like people, and that's something that the... What was that game called? The Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3? Didn't have that problem with that at all. It was a comic and book. Even, yeah, and Spider-Man has a mask on most of the time, so that's not a problem for that character either, really, until he takes it off, and he's either that weird 40-year-old man from the original version, or he's, <laughs> like... Tom Holland light in the new version. So that is like a little bit easier to deal with. But with like Avengers and with Guardians, you see these people that look like the porn parody of the movies that we know. Right. And it's only because they try to look like real people. And like, actually, I thought the facial animations, besides like the weird Drax teeth, I thought the facial like animations themselves, the rigging was really good. Especially since this is also going to be a PS4 and Xbox One game. But... I don't know. I can forgive them looking weird and looking off. It's just the writing is bad. The voice acting is even worse. And you know this is going to be like a six-hour game with like, quote-unquote, replayability because of the telltale shit that they're trying to do. I mean, the the
1: reason they led with it is because it's really the only major thing they have coming up before the end of the year. So it's kind of like they had to. But here's my thing. And this is a a broader point we're going to talk about when we talk about Nintendo. But like... Why haven't these companies figured out the E3 formula? It feels like it's such a copy and paste on how you should set these things up with, like, a little bit of hype, short bursts, a couple of quick reveals, some stuff that's coming soon. Like, you don't have to fucking blow the roof off the house every time. You just have to have a little bit. And that's what Nintendo did so well, was they had a little bit of everything. And there were, like, big reveals for guys like Chris. But, like, there wasn't... I mean, Metroid has sold, like, peanuts So it's not like they revealed like the next whatever game. I mean, it wasn't even that big, but it was like enough really solid little things and really well paced. So I just don't understand how these companies haven't quite figured out how to do this. I do want to point out that something that I saw on Twitter, people complaining about that I called on maybe two podcasts ago. Well, we're in this weird in-between phase where COVID kind of fucked everything up, delayed a lot of stuff put everyone back behind schedule, and a lot of games that may have come out this year or may have been announced this year that got delayed, whatever. But on the other hand, you had all the fucking drama last year from the uh, CD Projekt Red game. And so now I think there were probably some changes last minute to a lot of these conferences where people said, well, we should announce this game that's coming out in four years plus COVID, we don't know, you know. And so I think that's why a lot of people were bummed about it. It was like, oh, yeah, there's nothing coming out obviously, and God forbid we announce something that you're going to get excited about and then be shitty publicly for the next five years over. You know what I mean? So, you know, it it was, it was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of, I guess, what you expect, but I actually can't think of anything else other than the another Square Enix thing was the um, Final Fantasy 1 through 6 remasters, which... Oh,
2: no, those, yeah.
1: People were excited for a second until it was like, wait, okay, wait, Google Play Store? This isn't is this it's a fucking mobile game? <laughs> Buy them individually? Yeah, what the fuck is this? Um. I don't even know what Xbox did. Like, I couldn't even tell you. I know I followed along
2: on Twitter, but I not Xbox couldn't. showed a lot of really cool stuff. Did they? Personally. Yeah, it's a lot of 2022 stuff, which is, goes to Chris's point. But I think in years past, E3 has been a, a very broad mix of here's what's coming out this year, here's what's coming out next year, and here's what's coming out in the distant future. And I think the the ratio of those mixes have been sort of It varies depending on the publisher and depending on the developers. Like Square Enix loves to be like, hey, here's Final Fantasy 13 verses and you won't see it for 10 years. Or Sony loves to do, hey, here's Last Guardian. You won't see it on this console generation. But with someone like Nintendo, they they have been pretty good, I think, in sort of uh, communicating with its audience to say, hey, this is what's happening this year mostly and then a little bit of what's next year. And they like to say that to get expectations in line and then to either exceed those expectations or to put them on their head but with a company like Square Enix they didn't really say anything they had like one little image that was like we're going to talk about Babylon's Fall and Life is Strange and some other exciting things and that leaves a lot of you know possibility for them to talk about the stuff that the core fans the hardcore fans the ones that are bitching at Twitch and YouTube to say hey maybe they're going to show Final Fantasy 16 which is a big franchise for them but they didn't show it here because that game is still pretty far away, obviously. They didn't have anything else new to show. And also they have a co-marketing deal with Sony who wasn't at E3, so maybe they just don't want to show it here. But like, we don't know. We're not privy to that kind of uh, conversation that they're having with their partners. So then we just get a weird sort of half-baked Square Enix con- like conversation and presentation that has a game that's coming out in two months with Life is Strange and then another game that's coming out in like three or four months with Guardians, but that's not exactly hitting for any of us on this podcast. So I'm sure it was exciting for some people, but I think in the the broad areas, it wasn't exciting to the most intense fan base or the broadest audience. It's just that weird middle ground of people who are like lukewarm on these two new properties.
1: I would be really interested to go back over the last like 10 years of E3s and just do a cursory sort of overview of like...
2: Yeah, I think you're crazy if you think that E3 has been like... This is like a really, really bad E3 because if every E3 is a bad E3, then there hasn't ever been a good E3. And that's just like your expectations are out of out of whack. <laughs> you have these
1: industry talking heads coming out complaining about how fucking E3 is dead and it's, it's, it's pointless and why does this exist? As if all of us who follow video games go to E3 every year and it was like this, like for a lot of these talking heads, it's a bunch of weirdos who get together and like fuck each other and like guys for us this is what e3 always is it's a bunch of video right. conferences and announcements and we either get excited or we bitch about it like your weird con fucking groupy shit is that's weird and that doesn't affect us and so it's your yearly reunion is not relevant right to us. like the, the the rhetoric about how e3 is dead and it's irrelevant I'm like there is there will always be something relevant about a marquee block of time where things are expected to happen. E3 will always be a thing. The the convention itself, I know a couple years ago they opened it up to the general public and trying to make it more of like an event for video game fans and not just like weirdo quote unquote journalists or whatever. Right. And Lord knows these companies don't need a bunch of fucking pro Jared's coming out to their convention (laughs) hall and like creeping on
2: under... Right. It. you know. you, know, you know, they don't need that <laughs> right, shit yeah. like, to like, be relevant and to get their shit out. They don't need Dr. Disrespect filming children in the bathroom.
1: Or, yeah, or what the fuck ever. Like, seriously. Fucking that creep. So anyway, yeah, I, I don't think this was a bad E3. I mean, especially because the only thing I really care about was would have been Sony and Nintendo. And seeing as Sony wasn't there, I was like, dude, Nintendo was super solid this year. Super solid. And I do want to... I want to kind of run in and we can start going through it. Nick, you can kind of maybe go game to game we got to let Chris just fucking go wild on Metroid here because there's a lot to unpack with that announcement. But I think they were the clear winner of E3 this year, which is not something we've probably been able to say in a long time, right? Not since 2017, I would say. Um, and I
0: think that uh, per the earlier conversation about Nintendo not talking about games that aren't going to release anytime soon, that is when they learned their lesson about not doing that. Um I definitely got my dick scorched on the Metroid Prime 4 title card, which is probably not coming out until at least the end of next year, if we're lucky. Uh, Yeah, don't hold your breath. (laughs) So that's like a five plus year cycle of development hell, although now Retro's got their hands on it, blah, blah, blah. So they learned their lesson. And so Nintendo's like, we are only going to show stuff that's coming out. And we're also going to remind you that we have a new Zelda, a new mainline Zelda in the works. We're going to just tickle tickle the balls a little bit with it and show you that we've got some good stuff cooking. Uh, give you some conspiracy theory fuel for people to start making big swings about lore stuff. Uh, and then right. giving me Metroid 5! I've been waiting almost 20 years for this. 19 years since Metroid Fusion came out. And I have been wondering and just going, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? Like, Samus has turned on the Galactic Federation. They're going to come for her. Like, how is this going to play out? 19 years I've been waiting. And today, finally, I was biking to work. And I would have been at work on time to hide in my supply shed and watch E3 instead of prepping for my classes. Uh, But my back tire blew out. So I had to pull over and uh, change the tube on my bike tire. And I'm like, well, it is two minutes until. That's annoying
2: to do on the back tire. You can't quick release the. You got to take the chain off and everything.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. But I had just had the same tire pop on Friday, in a different stretch of road. So I had a repair kit and an extra tube and like everything I needed in my in my uh, my pack. So anyway, it's one minute till press conference time, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm putting headphones in, holding my cell phone while I ride my bike on this main thoroughfare, <laughs> and hoping to God that nobody fucking hits me. Uh, and that is how I watched E3, and so I'm writing, and I'm like muting and tucking stuff in. I'm on Discord with my buddy Nate. Shout out, Nate! You're not gonna listen to this, but that's okay.
1: Um, hold on, hold on, hold on. Imagine Chris gets struck by a vehicle right before the metro announcement, <laughs> and we, this poor guy just misses the thing he's been waiting his entire life for. And this guy has got a fucking busted tire, getting fucking traffic coming at him. Oh, my God. What hey, man, memory. that could
2: be a best-case scenario. That could be like time travel with, like, a coma. You know, he wakes up and be like, Chris, Metroid Dread, Metroid <laughs> 5, it's out.
1: He's like, what year is it, 2005?
2: <laughs> and he's yeah, like, no. I don't have arms anymore. I can't even play this.
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darkness. Um, Yeah, so I'm writing, and once the name comes out, he's like, I know you're hoping for a Metroid Prime 4 video. I'm like, they're going to tell me it's delayed. Instead... Here's a trailer for a new game, and I'm like Nate, Nate, I'm pulling over, Nate, I'm pulling over, Nate, and so <laughs> I like, over. I pull over, throw my bike to the side, I sit down on the bench, and and Nate goes, huh, Fusion Two, is a joke, Snap Two, shot of teched up Fusion suit, I start screaming and jumping up and down, and then it's like Nintendo presents, <laughs> so I'm like, no, 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 Metroid Five, <laughs> full scream like, ah.
1: <laughs> like, at the top of my lungs,
0: on the side of Diamond Road in Anchorage, Alaska, jumping up and down and screaming. Yeah, this is, like, probably the greatest day of my gamer life in a very long time. Because as good as um, Samus Returns was, it's a remake, right? And Mercury Steam proved they have the bona fides to handle this franchise. So I'm really glad that they're developing, that they developed Dread. Because I have all the faith in the world in them. Uh, but a first, like, genuinely new Metroid title... Since Other M. So, like,
1: this is... we don't talk about that. We don't talk about
0: Yeah, it's been 10 years, even, I think, since that came out, so...
1: So, give us... Can you give us, Chris, a brief rundown? Dread was the sequel that was initially announced for the DS, like, 15 years ago.
2: And then disappeared. It was, like, it was leaked. It was talked about in, like, hushed tones industry-wide, and then... It was referenced in, was it Prime 2 or Prime 3? There was a, a codec entry basically that was like Metroid Project Dread is finishing, is nearing completion. Yeah. So, Metroid oh. Prime 3, what was that, like 2008? Yeah, we were still in high school. Uh, so that sounds right,
0: 2008. Yeah, but you're exactly right. So, Nick.
2: it's, it was and even, okay, so I don't know if you watched this, Chris. I think you're at work. So I don't know if you've gotten a chance to go back and rewatch it. But during the Treehouse presentation, there was a short video beforehand that had uh, Sakamoto talking about dread and like why they chose this title what the sort of like premise of the story is and how it was started and canceled then started and canceled two times before that the mercury steam they started working with them and they like got along with them enough that i don't know if they pitched it to him or if he was like hey let's try to return to this idea but it's it makes so much sense it's such a it's such a glow up for that studio too to have like a very mediocre sort of development history as far as reception and like popularity and then to latch onto the Metroid franchise and have like a developer that cares, and then it seems like Nintendo's funding it well enough, and that this developer is actually showing that they have the chops to make good games. It's like truly a best case scenario for the franchise and for that developer.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I did, I did see that Sakamoto quote uh, that he said that this is the game he wanted to make. 15 years ago and said we do not have the technological like capability to make the game that I want to make. So just the fact that like this is the vision for that game that was leaked, rumored, talked about for so long and yeah, that little ugh, that little tease in Prime 3 and it's not even like a logbook entry, it's just a random computer that you can scan on one of the planets that yeah, it says project dread. Right, it's an easter egg really. Exactly. Yeah, it's an it's an easter egg. Um yeah, I, again, like, title card, Metroid Dread started screaming, like, just. Z-
2: Bro, even before that, like, just the whole, the the seeing Samus for the first time in her new suit and seeing that, like, weird robot thing that looks like the, the autopilot from Wally and how freaky that thing is. And just, like, they really got the tone right in that initial reveal going to Metroid and then five. And it's just like, oh, they're doing it. And then later getting that, like, the the sound hit and the Metroid dread and just the the double they did it they did both of it they did the whole thing <laughs> I was fuck like, I was hyped I was so pumped
0: yeah it's probably one of the better reveal trailers that I think I've seen from just in terms of like the craft the construction of this trailer
2: as you just discussed is so unbelievably good and seeing the gameplay and actually see, like seeing cutscenes and seeing gameplay it's all in engine stuff like I think that was a really tight, like, two minutes, a minute and a half for reveal and then trailer. I was just, I was really impressed. I was really, uh, I'm really happy with how uh, Nintendo is treating this game in particular. I've talked about before how
1: I'm not much of a Metroidvania guy um, unless it's got, like, roguelite elements. elements. Um, but it was really interesting. You know, I I, I played Super Metroid, I played a little Metroid Prime, but I, I'm, I'm not a big Metroid guy. It's just not something I've ever really done. But it was really interesting to see a Metroid game fully realized a, as a 2D, 3D hybrid sort of thing, right? So obviously 3D graphics, but on a 2D plane. But it, I was like, oh, okay, so this kind of thing can work in in 2021. Of course, I know you talk about uh, Samus Returns, which uh, nobody played on the 3ds (laughs) Uh, except really really
2: unfortunate and it's super important if they had put that out before the switch came out i think i would have doubled that game sales oh definitely it but like i said it was it was
0: good and when we talked about it uh in 2017 i talked about how i think it probably is like the best looking 3ds game period like full stop that the way they use the stereoscopic 3d and the 2d 2d 3d 3d sprite 2d plane it is like deep you see so deep into sr 388 and it really creates an atmosphere that is just unlike any other like that that other nintendo franchises are really just not that like uniquely capable
2: of producing outside of probably zelda i think that's metroid's like strongest suit really is that it's so completely different than everything else that nintendo does and because it's coming from nintendo it becomes a much more striking sort of uh difference like the dichotomy between it and other franchises in the repertoire but even watching um metroid dread and seeing the gameplay sort of preview on uh, treehouse and seeing the backgrounds and how large in scope it it looks in the gameplay as well and how small samus is on the screen but because you actually have a 720p like resolution on the on the console and assumedly 1080p on the tv like you get to still be able to see where you are what you're doing where you're aiming the full motion range of pointing in any direction while moving the slide the the melee um, the increased capabilities of the melee combat it seems like a really fast and tight metroid game the way that she like runs is so much quicker than any other metroid game when you're not doing like the the super dash or whatever you call it like i think it's really impressive and i'm really excited and i want to play this and it's coming out in october it's coming out this year It's coming out. like oh nintendo has nothing for the second half of the year it's like oh they just haven't talked about anything yet we're just not used to companies not talking about their year like the year before <laughs> for me the thing that uh
1: cut through in the trailer cuz i didn't watch any of the treehouse footage um but just in the trailer was like like you guys are talking about like the atmosphere of what this world is and And you mentioned like the scale of Samus in this world, and like like dread is like the perfect name for this. it was suspenseful like it's it see it seems more like a horror you know like aliens right meets Metro kind of thing than than any of the other games that I've played. that's kind of what they went for in the original game at some points, but like oh yeah, um, <laughs> it's fucking Super Nintendo and it you know, but like I many bad guys named after Ridley Scott, so. well, yeah, literally. <laughs> But like it actually cut through here and when she was being chased or followed by the um Emmy robot in one of those first cutscenes the way that thing was fucking moving dude and she and like and she's so small in this fucking environment and you're just like oh my god like fucking go like it it you know it makes you feel the things so that's good and it's and it's the truest
0: way to be a successor to Metroid Fusion, because that's what really endeared me to that game as a 2D Metroid title, is the sequences where the SR388, no, that's the name of the planet, where the SAX, which is an X parasite that has basically regenerated Samus's suit from, like, pieces of her tissue like her, her, her tissue that were taken off of it, is hunting you, and it has the ice beam, and you have Metroid DNA in your body, which means if you get shot, your ass is grass. And that, like, I, even as a kid... Like, those sprites, like, that. those were horrifying sequences. Like, trying to escape from just getting dusted by this being that is so much fucking stronger than you. And now, finally, finally, I cannot believe a narrative continuation of this franchise is happening. I literally cannot believe it. Like, I, every time I think about it, I smile. That we're going to finally know, like, how does this shake out? She was an ally of the Federation for, for years and years. She has actively in their eyes betrayed them. I would, you know, we would say rightfully so, um, cause they were trying to breed, breed the Troids as a uh, weapons of war. Uh, and now they're coming for her and to hear that they're going to button the whole story of this intertwined legacy of Samus and, and the Metroids. I mean, I just, I can't even begin to imagine what that's going to be like. I literally wrote fan fiction about what I thought Metroid
1: five was going to be in middle school. Right. I hope that they, they stick the landing. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is now I had never considered the narrative of a of a 2D Metroid game. Like to me that's never It is like-
2: it is very uh, it is very background and I think fusion brought it to the foreground in a way that some people were not happy with and some people were and I think Sakamoto is a little bit um shaky on his ideas of what Metroid is supposed to be versus what the fans believe Metroid is supposed to be. I mean he was the guy behind Metroid Other M. So what your opinions of that game and what your opinions of fusion and the the Metroid series on a whole kind of dictates a little bit of what your excitement level is for the, the lower implications of this game and what the, the narrative would be. And they already showed Adam is in this game still. And I don't know, I don't remember the, the ending of fusion too vividly. I remember there being confrontations with a either, uh, was it the, the bigger form of the Metroids? Those, the Omega Metroids, yeah, those that
0: there was an Omega Metroid was the the last boss. There's was an
2: Omega Metroid, and then the the S.A.X. Uh, like sacrifices itself to fight it because it has a directive to hunt Metroids because that's what the X parasites do is they're they're mortal enemies. So the whole and just the the S.A.X. as a as a quote unquote character and it being a force that you're fighting and it being you, it's like everything good about what Shadow Link is in the Zelda series. It's it's like a really cool it's, I I don't know. I think it's still cool. It's, it's played out, you know, fighting yourself is played out, but, uh, I thought that was a really cool, uh, sort of play on the, the Metroid thing of starting powered up and then getting powered down so that you can progressively power up throughout the length of the game and having this villain that is you who is fully powered up, but you're not there yet. (laughs) That was the coolest thing for me in fusion. And then also, like Chris said, all of the horror elements, I just think of I think it's literally called nightmare with the computer that you're fighting with the, the monitor screen that starts like bleeding basically like digital black tar out of its eyes as you're beating the shit out of it and it's just moving towards you in this boss arena. It's so fucking tight.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow, man. Absolutely. And this is uh I guess we're gonna see we're gonna see how they button that story. Yeah, I gotta I did not, I still not have been able to catch the treehouse stuff. I was at work, I went to the rock gym. I didn't warm up like an idiot. So I only spent like 45 minutes at the rock gym because my arms hurt. And, uh, when we get off this, I think it's, uh, it's, it's go time to watch all that footage, but I'm going to drink it up. <laughs> yeah. You got to watch it,
2: especially for the the director stuff. Some of the game, like the gameplay is whatever. It gives you a better idea of like what the moment to moment feels like and how the, the speed of the game works. And you're sort of, they get, I think the charge beam is their first power up that they get. And they show a sort of, uh, mini game not mini game but like a a, a cut in the the gameplay to interact with this like um damaged emmy that's approaching you slowly and has this it just has the eye but it's like missing one of its arms and you have to use the charge beam to like take it out in the face and i thought that it looked like a really cool moment and i think that the game's going to be interspersed with a lot of moments like that and they had that in uh Samus returns if i'm not wrong especially with like the the little quick zoom-ins for the combat, uh, the counters, especially against bosses. Like, you get that that moment to get the the counter off with the... Just beating the shit out of them with their metal arm, you know? Uh, credit to Other M, actually. Uh, originated...
0: For that? Uh, well, originated both of the ideas. The idea of the... uh They called it Sense Move in Other M, where if you dodge with perfect timing, you could, like, roll around and get on, like, the back of Zabijian Space Pirates and just, like, pound missiles into their head. Uh And also... Flipping the Wiimote towards the screen would snap you into a a first person aiming mode to fire missiles uh, and to like hunt for more secret stuff. So like both of these things, other M, you know, other M
2: crawled yeah. so that these could run. Yeah, why can't Metroid crawl? Uh, Sakamoto, I think you know, being the originator behind that uh, game as well, I think that that lends a lot of uh, credence to that being the originator of it. And I always thought that the, I have never watched enough gameplay of Other M, but it always seemed like the gameplay in that game was actually kind of cool, but it was just hindered by maybe not enough budget or just not enough ideas, not enough people saying no to like really stick the landing. And now it's just sort of like a black mark on the history of Metroid and isn't really discussed deeply enough to give it the the credit where the credits are due and give it the merits that it deserves.
1: Really got George lucas unfortunately. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, Totally.
2: Plays great, story sucks, Lucas for sure.
1: Let's jump into some of the other stuff that happened. I'm just going to kind of run through a couple of quick things. I guess the first thing that happened, which is notable, is Homeboy from Tekken got announced as the next Smash Fighter. Kazuya, um, which I was very lukewarm on i was just like all right another my thought with sakurai is so fucking creatively bankrupt that he just has to put more fighting characters into this fucking game (laughs) instead of actually having to come up with unique move sets for for nintendo properties Um, you know give me waluigi god damn it
2: Um, no don't do it don't do it please
1: no there's so many other Ah. cool characters that that they could do something uh creative with and so I was like, okay, another fighting guy, I guess you're bringing in like the third wing of like weird fighting games no one's cared about in 15
2: years. I wouldn't go that far. I think Tekken 7 is like one of the, the best selling fighting games of all time. One of like top 10, I would guess. When did Tekken 7 come out? A while ago. It's been in like arcades updated there. And it, I think it came out on, I think it came out like 2013, 2014 around that time. Okay. so it's like, I want to say yeah. I, it might've been later. I mean, it was a little bit ago.
1: Tekken is it, it, to me feels like a very irrelevant thing in the video the video game landscape at large. Um, sure. Even Street Fighter does. I mean,
2: Street Fighter has been on kind of a a bummer of a run for a while now. I don't and- think Smash Bros needs to be the place where only relevant characters get added, but I think that's where you and I might differ.
1: Yeah, I just I would I would rather unless you're giving us like a marquee third party character, like give us the Crash Bandicoot. Give us the Squeenix character, right? Give us the Geno that all the dorks are asking for. Whatever. But there are plenty of other Nintendo first-party characters that they could do something with that is different than just another fucking sword fighter. Or or in this case, a third-party character that's just another dude with fists. But then, but then, he turned into a fucking ogre, man, or a gargoyle with fucking wings. And I was like, I'm in, bitch. I'm in. I don't know what just happened. I don't know this guy. I don't. I haven't
0: you played Tekken know. since I was ten. You don't know the lore. You don't know the Kazuya lore. No.
2: Who is Kazuya and what is? Uh, he is a gargoyle. Yeah. Well, his dad is mad at him, and he's mad at his dad, and it's a whole family legacy. Of I being can relate. Or whatever. I don't have wings, though. <laughs> he turns into a devil. He turns literally turns into a devil, and he's the final boss of Tekken Two. Um, isn't he also? I think he's the main bad guy in Tekken Seven. And I think he runs a corporation of evil corporation of other devil spawn. <laughs>
0: I, I, I stopped playing it, Tekken it, at Tekken 3. Serious. 7 is the 10th best-selling fighting game of all time, uh which makes okay. it only the third highest-selling Tekken game of all time. Really?
2: I didn't know. I didn't know if it was it was worse selling than prior Tekken games. I know like Mortal Kombat and Smash Bros topped those lists, so I think Street Fighter 2 might be really high up there as well. I feel Tekken as a franchise, I think, is the most is in the top three of the most relevant fighting game franchises. Top four because Smash Bros. obviously, but it's like I was gonna say, there's Smash only four Brothers, of them it's Street Fighter, it's Tekken, and then it's Mortal Kombat. Yeah, and then it's all like the anime fighters like Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue and, and this arc system fair. And then you get into like the history of stuff with like King of Fighters and Virtua Fighter and stuff like that. But I think it's Sakurai is such a like arcade stan that it makes sense that he would want this character. But also, wasn't it M who said that this fighter pass was a uh, Chosen mostly by Nintendo or all the way by Nintendo. I don't. Recall. And the first fighter pass was like him being like, I love these characters and I want to like respect the fans with, the, with this drop. And that's why we got Joker for like no goddamn reason. But it was also the time that we got Banjo-Kazooie, you know, so like you get more like weird sort of hype characters versus, oh, it's another fighting game character.
1: I, am I wrong to assume that Tekken is more relevant in Japan than it might be in the mainstream here? I know, for as far as fighting game, I mean, the fighting game community is so niche
2: as right, it is, yeah. but um, yeah. I guess Tekken's relevant. When's Call of Duty getting into Smash? God damn it!
1: Listen, give me Price with a goddamn machine gun, right? He could be like Snake's foil. Snake's got a box.
2: Price has a fucking claymore. I don't know. Soap McTavish lathers up. And then you can, uh, you can spend real, real money on a thing to dangle on the front of his gun. <laughs> <laughs> You're tricking me so hard right now. And if you play enough with him, you get a gold version of his weapons. <laughs> right. If you do a side B enough, you if get you, a gold type 95.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you, get, if you get 10 gun butt kills in three minutes back to back in 12 matches...
2: Every time you KO someone, they drop a little dog tag. You have to go pick it up. Otherwise, your points don't count. Fun mechanic.
1: You might be honest
2: of Fun here. mechanics.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I will say the reason I wasn't like, like, if this had been a Fire Emblem character, I would have just fucking been raging. But I was like, all right, it's a fighting game. Whatever. Like, it's not for me. But then. I'm glad they put it at the front. That's all I'll right. say. It, right. It wasn't. And I don't think anyone went into this thinking like, all right, we're getting Goku this time. Like, there wasn't any weird hype about it. It was like. Yeah. Whatever. People learn their fucking lesson as far as this is concerned. But the cutscene was great. It starts off with, with with Kazuya bringing Ganon's fucking, or Ganondorf's body up the fucking <laughs> mountain and throwing him into the, the pits of hell. Into a volcano. Into a fucking literal volcano. And then later in the cutscene, he's bringing other characters. And so it's just like, it's supposed to show you that the dude's badass, but then it ramps up into kind of a bit where he brings Kirby up and he tosses Kirby off and then he looks over the edge to make sure Kirby's dead and Kirby floats off in the background behind him. <laughs> I'm like That's just so perfectly Nintendo. That is such a great way to marry the 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 flavor of both of these franchises that couldn't be more different and be like, all right, Kazuya's in the Smash Bros. I'm in. He's a fucking, he's a demon. I love
2: it. You know for certain that Sakurai, like, storyboat storyboards all these uh smash reveals out because he's such a a huge goddamn nerd and he's so passionate for all these characters that he is the one behind the reveals and like what they're doing so big ups uh after this we had um uh
1: life is strange yeah Uh, okay good for them it's a remaster and the
2: uh fucking
1: waifu version yeah the new game Uh, yeah whatever it is
2: emotional support girl true colors no, but this is this is important, though.
0: This is actually really important, and I, I'm going to jump a couple games ahead, too, that they also announced that the Switch is getting Guardians of the Galaxy day and date. Um, As a streaming
2: version? Nonetheless, oh. though,
0: nonetheless, that is a... Uh, to me, those two announcements were enormous because that's been my one knock on the Switch is that, like, it's going to get a lot of stuff, but it's going to get it late. So the fact that they're both coming day and date, like... That's cool to me, and I, I loved Life is Strange, and I'm looking forward. I did not ever play the DLC, so I'm looking forward to being able to pick that back up uh, when that comes out later this year and play through that stuff. Um, so I thought that that was uh, a big st- a big step for them to get a couple things day and date that got so much attention in the Squeenix presser.
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree that it's a it's it's good that they're getting more day and date support, and these games are definitely games that can that fit on the Switch as far as. Uh, technical necessity. Yeah. You know, I've, I've done a lot
1: of bitching on this podcast about Nintendo's business practices. And, and this might just be the beer talking right now, but like, I'm just, I'm sort of just getting introspective about this whole thing. I'm like, you know what? I mean, it is good that they're getting games day and date, Um, and the, and that there's, there's this, this sect of Nintendo fans that just so desperately wants Nintendo to, to compete as the third, bastion of, like, console gaming in the sense that, like, we are direct competitors, right? It's Sony or Microsoft, right? It's not both. And, of course, there are fans like us who are like, I just want companies to make good games, and if companies are making good exclusive, that breeds competition, which means we get better games. But Nintendo, you know, goddamn them, they've kind of slotted into this weird thing where it's like, you don't need to have a PlayStation or a Nintendo Switch. You need to have something and a Nintendo Switch. So it's like, everyone has to own one, not only because of their own exclusive games so it's like all right it's good that they're getting the the games day and day it's good that they're getting ports of games like like doom or whatever but like for guys like us it obviously doesn't matter like we we're not interested in in a port of fucking wolfenstein a year later with all the fucking jaggies 480p whatever like we don't care i'm sure there is a sect of people who do but like you know anyway i'm just thinking out loud about it. it's kind of it has to be something that they are intentionally doing of like we're not trying to compete with them um I wish they would switch pro wink, wink. We didn't get that, which I don't think anyone realistically thought they did. We would after they came out and said, tune in for our software reveals.
2: They're very explicit about it being software related, but and Nintendo hasn't revealed hardware at an E3 since 2011 with the Wii U. They learned their lesson there.
1: Let me tell you. Oh. Well, less about learning their
2: lesson because the Wii U was a lot of different lessons, but just that they they don't. I think they've been focused on games for E3 and it's a it's a it's a game showcase and they'd like to show hardware like at a separate event or like when they show the Switch Lite it was a couple months later when they showed the SNES Classic or the NES Classic it was a couple months after E3 and then ready for the holiday so it's still possible that they do something like that where they they say hey September rolls around check it out buy this thing in two months. Like right. They still can do that. I don't know how likely that is because there's obviously a possibility that their pipeline is completely fucked because of COVID and the microchip shortage. Yeah, yeah,
1: that, that's really what it is.
2: But it'd be cool if by the, f- the fifth anniversary of the Switch, we get a more stronger version of it that we can spend more money on. Yeah, I mean, you say that
1: uh, uh, like kind of a bit, like we could spend more money on.
2: But it's, I mean, honestly... No, honestly, no, seriously. yeah, I'm being serious.
1: I'm not bidding. We've <laughs> talked about it before. Like, the the Switch is trying to do something that no console's ever really done and trying to do it on a mass scale and you have to give Nintendo credit for how successful it's been but they've also made great games and that's that's like so crucial right but yeah it's tough to do both the console needs to be more powerful it needs to be it, it, we're at a point where games just don't look games don't look awesome on it like we we need a little more juice we need that anti-aliasing we need the bump in resolution as you know we're at a point you
2: can't even go and buy a 1080p resolution television you can't anywhere I mean, you can, but it has to be sub uh, 40 inches and people just aren't buying those anymore. It's so it's so cheap to buy a, a 4K TV. Even if it's a bad 4K TV, it still has the resolution. Well, for even it. a good
1: 4K TV, I mean, you can go in and get a, a really solid 4K TV for 350 bucks at, at 55 inches or whatever. Um, you're not gonna have all the bells and whistles, but it's like, yeah, it's it's become so affordable as far as, you know, you're not spending three grand on a fucking TV worth gaming on, right? You're spending 300.
2: Yeah. So. At this point, you're spending more on the hardware to make 4K things happen than you are on the TV to display it. Exactly. So,
1: so the Switch Pro needs to fucking happen, and and I think it will. I mean, it just seems inevitable at this point. And I I just so hope that it's not a new Nintendo 3DS situation and that it is a a meaningful upgrade. Like even like I don't even care about the screen resolution on the Switch itself. I like 720 is fine for a, a screen that small. Like it needs more internal juice, maybe a power dock. I don't know. It just needs more juice so that games look good on the TV. And I will say jumping ahead real quick, Breath of the Wild 2. I didn't see a lot of Jaggies. I don't know how much of that was like in game or final footage.
2: Probably none of it. I think a lot of it was, was in game and I don't know about final footage, but I think almost entire, I mean all their cutscenes in the prior game was in game uh, engine stuff. I just mean like, yeah, it's when it, Ends up on the If it ends up on the regular Switch, it ain't going to look that crispy. It's going to be Jag City, bro. Yeah, I need to go back and watch it uh, on like a, a VOD version because obviously watching with Twitch or YouTube live streaming compression, it's a little bit more harsh than a playback compression for a VOD. So I want to check that out again.
1: Even on Twitch live, I was like, oh my goodness. I, I texted it in the group chat. I was like, this is butter, dude. This looks beautiful. And Yeah, it looked really good. Breath of the Wild did so much with so little. But like that game running on a fucking emulator on PC with the bells and whistles is just like of course. leagues.
2: Well, well, let's hold on a second. Is there anything else from the direct prior to uh, the sequel to Breath of the Wild that we want to talk about before we get into that? <laughs> uh, a- after uh, Life is
1: Strange, we got Super Monkey Ball Remaster confirmed.
2: Hell yeah, big fan. One and two are the best ones. They have all the mini games. Let's go, baby. I love those multiplayer mini games from the first two with like monkey bowling. The uh the weird beat 'em up version, the flying one. I love. I mean, all of them are fantastic. I will get this, <laughs> and it's like forty bucks. So hell oh, yeah.
1: This seems like one of those games that like we all played, and and like and listen, the post N sixty four, like pre, three sixty, like the, that weird gap where like I mean obviously the PS two reigns supreme, but like Nintendo is in such a, such a funny place, still trying to figure out.
2: Who Sega was in a really funny place after they well, failed with the Dreamcast, oh who started putting all their franchises on, like, oh Xbox is going to get you know Jet Jet Set Radio and right uh, right whatever, and Nintendo gets these and PlayStation gets these, so yeah. they're they're in a very strange place. And having this as like Super Monkey Ball is a launch title, and now the guy behind Super Monkey Ball is the guy who literally started and is currently still working on the Yakuza series. It, it it's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> it's, what a turn! <laughs> it, I I love this though because this game is.
1: Reminiscent of this bygone era, like game, like they don't make games like this. They don't
2: sell games yeah, huddled like this. around the TV doing right. weird little mini shits. Because because mobile, right? Because indie games do this also,
1: and and I think to a lesser extent, I I have not seen a game quite like. I mean, I can't even like Super Monkey Ball for me is a game that I buy off of nostalgia. It's a remaster, not a a ground up like because I think they they are trying to sell this based on nostalgia. This is for. You know, like I said, totally. a, 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 of a bygone era. Like games like this c- couldn't come out these days, but because they're capitalizing on the the name and the throwback to this, the, the GameCube was such a what a a wonderful, weird, unique console, and the games that the, Nintendo was trying to figure out. Like it's like all the titles on the GameCube, uh, all the first party titles, especially. Um, obviously, this not being one of them, but like they were trying to do something different with each of their main titles, right? You, you, you have even things like Luigi's Mansion was a launch title, Super Mario Sunshine, like Kirby and fuck. I mean, everybody had like a weird. I'm just so nostalgic for it because I'm a fucking old man, and it, that might not be the best generation in gaming, but it's one I remember fondly. And Super Monkey Ball fits right into that so well, and so I'm like, yeah, this game, like. Even the remaster doesn't look that grim. Like, okay, that's Super Monkey Ball. It kind of looks old, but it's Super Fucking Monkey Ball. I can play it on my Switch. I'm going to fucking buy it. Um, After that, we got something that is either huge and exciting news for a select few of you or an extremely frustrating thing for people who spent $60 on the last Mario Party game and then received no support for it, which is Mario Party Superstars. Is this a digital-only release? No. No, is it coming physically? So it's a sequel slash kind of remake it's got a lot of old like n64 era
2: boards and games right yeah it's like a a best of they did a best of collection kind of thing on 3ds before switch came out it was like mario party 100 where it was just the mini games i don't think it had any any of the board action so this is sort of similar to that where this has i believe 100 mini games as well and it has uh five boards from prior the n64 games in particular they specifically called that out So I think this is also like another nostalgia grab. I mean, every Nintendo game is nostalgia grab at some point, but this is like purely trying to get N64 people to get another Mario Party game. And I think it looks pretty good. I mean, if they choose the ones that are are fan favorites, like good for them. This isn't a game that I would buy, but it's a game I would play if someone had it and they're like, hey, let's like play some Mario Party, fuck around for a bit. The problem here
1: for a lot of people who were really, really hyped on Mario Party a couple years ago, and my brother being one of them, him and his buddies got super into the Mario Party game and they were playing it together in person. Once upon a time when you could do that. And the, the, the lack of multiplayer support uh, or the lack of online multiplayer support, the lack of DLC, left a lot of people who spent full price on a Mario Party game that was widely considered probably the worst Mario Party game. Nobody did. I would.
2: There were much worse ones on Wii U. And Wii. Wait, wait. There were Wii U Mario parties? Yeah. I like the Wii U one. They got up to 10 before they did Super Mario Party. Interesting. I didn't know there
1: was one the Wii U. It was, it, was, it was a lackluster entry. It was like, alright, there's not a lot to do. Yeah, content light. Right. And people thought, of course Nintendo's going to support this down the road. We're going to get DLC and, and ho- hopefully free DLC. Who knows? But instead, they just released another game that they'll probably sell at 40 if not full, a fucking full $60. 60 and listen, this looks like to be the the promise that the last Mario Party failed to deliver on, which is cool if you're into Mario Party. I'm not one of those people, but I can't help but feel like I'd be a little upset if I got left high and dry on that last $60 purchase and they're just trying to sell me a new one instead of supporting uh, the game that they, you know, rolled out as a, as a featured fucking Switch release, you know? But I mean, as far as Mario Party goes, great. It's got it, it, the thing that they made sure to touch on is all games have multiplayer, online multiplayer, rather. So, um, I didn't play any Mario Party literally at all growing up. Like, I have no history with Mario Party. So, I don't know, Chris. You have like, it was this one of the games that was like the the marquee fucking multiplayer title in your house next to Smash Bros or whatever growing up.
0: I don't think we ever owned it, but like. friends who did like probably the same friends who had the original smash bros and like we'd go over and that would be like the shit um this is the laziest fucking thing i've ever seen nintendo fart (laughs) out (laughs) since like probably the 3d all-star collection which was like airbrushed Functionally untouched versions of games, but they didn't even go that far They literally are just like we're gonna give you five maps from the 64 games and a hundred of the mini games from the 64 games Give me all the 64 games on one cartridge you fucks like it's literally that easy Like just do it just fucking do it. You know, you can do it or give us like a proper Mario Party Two remaster like update the whole fucking thing give us a proper like mario party collection if you don't want to go as far as a remaster but like five maps whoopty fucking do five maps 100 mini games from like what the five games four
2: five games that were on 64 i thought that i thought there was only like three is there maybe four i think there was three sure did four make the jump to gamecube that's sounding right i think four i think four might have been the first game i i'm totally like divorce. I do not know the Mario party. Yeah, I think it's three. Oovra. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's sounding right. But I just was like, are you
0: fucking kidding me? This is so lazy. Fuck you. I'm not buying this. Like, especially because like you said, I played super Mario party. I didn't buy it. Thank God. I played it like right after launch and went, Oh my God, is this it? And like already so many of the minigame things are filled in. And like we'll go and look at them. We're like, surely there's more and we're just like not getting the right criteria. So we go to we go to the master list and we're like, oh no, this is just as big as this game is. And I was like, hmm, if this drops to 20 bucks, I'll buy it. And it's never going to. It's never gonna drop to 20 bucks. But so they yeah, it's just so,
1: so lazy. That pissed me off probably more than anything else in this presentation. I mean, there's some good points you make. It is funny that this this has got this got you so salty. But hey, for once, for once, we got in a Nintendo Direct. That like, there really wasn't anything to be that mad about. This was a really solid Direct. And there's something that I, I want to point out before we move on here, is that like, Nick, you had texted me, or maybe in the group chat, you, you said how great this Direct was. And I was like, I, I was quick to point out, I want to say that this is, this is what all Nintendo Direct should be. This wasn't, this wasn't like, their shadow dropping Breath of the Wild 2 next month. This just seemed like a lot of really solid little things, a little bit for
2: everybody. I think it's absurd to have that as an expectation.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, this is how bad so many of these conferences have been. And in and, and the last few, you know, our expectations have fallen for these and our reaction to them have gotten softer and softer because we sort of uh, have been conditioned to expect mediocrity, I guess. And so when we get something that's just really fucking solid, this was just a really nice presentation. Everyone's like, this was the best E3 in a decade. And
2: it's like. It was really good, man. It was solid. But, like, let's cool our jets. No, I think it was really good, but like Chris was saying, it's the best one since 2017, and that's just because the stars aligned, and that's when game software is coming out in the foreseeable future. I mean, you can't, you can't like, organize development teams to be like, okay, you have a four-year cycle, you have a four-year cycle, you have a four-year cycle. Let's knock these out so we, every quarter we get something big. Like, it's, that's not how game development works or has ever worked. So, if you like get lucky as Nintendo to say, hey, we actually have like three or four cool new things that is going to hit for a wide swath of an audience and we can show it all during summer because it's all going to happen in the next year and a half. Like, good on Nintendo for getting lucky and having that happen for this year. But I think as we as consumers and we as Nintendo fans and as video game fans in general, We can't have that expectation that every show should be knocking our socks off because it's not going to happen. Every Nintendo Direct has had like a really good presentation and that's what we can judge them on and how long they're spending on each of these things and what is the tone and like how is everything organized? I think we can have expectations in that front, but Nintendo always surpasses our expectations when it comes to the organization. Just look at every other Nintendo or every other E3 presentation that happened this week from developers that had no business showing anything. They should have just skipped it. You get Square Enix and like the pacing of that show was awful. You said was, they spent 20 minutes on Guardians of the <laughs> Galaxy and then they shit out six <laughs> other games that nobody cares about. Yeah, And that's not even counting like watching something from Ubisoft or from Koch Media where they just had developer interviews and didn't show an ounce of gameplay for 45 minutes. Or fucking Gearbox, where they have Randy Pitch for yucking it up with uh, Kevin James or whatever that, the, the short actor's name is, who's in the next uh, Borderlands movie. Like, no one cares, right? So Nintendo is actually doing it right, and everyone else is kind of struggling, and Microsoft did a good job because they can throw $7 billion at fucking Bethesda, just buy up every game, and actually show cool games, and show not even really actually anything from Starfield, but everyone's freaking out about that for no goddamn reason, because everyone's an idiot. Everyone's an idiot! So it's just, it's just about showing everyone's stuff. Everyone's like, an Nintendo idiot. Nintendo just got lucky this year as far as having the stuff to show.
1: <laughs> I think you've drank the Kool-Aid. A little bit, my friend.
2: What Kool-Aid? What are you fucking talking about? Why are you so bitter about nothing? <laughs> no 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 don't no 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 no.
0: Nick is a hundred percent right. I will I will go to the mattress on this one that you wanna know how I know that Nick is right because every other fucking company has tried to rip off the Nintendo Direct model and they still do a fucking terrible job. Every Have other watched fucking company. you Sony thing? Yeah, Sony <laughs> State of Play, Microsoft whatever the fuck, like uh, uh, Indie Direct, like Wholesome Direct, like literally everyone Wait. has ripped off their fucking model because it fucking works. It's charming. It's engaging. Like Nick said, the presentation is it's like it's butter baby. Like you said about Breath of the Wild too. Their presentation's butter. They got that do 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 and the little title card like it works. It works even if it's not always excellent games in the direct, that presentation is superior to the traditional press conference. And I listened to enough like god awful pressers this year to know that that's true.
1: You're right. The format Uh, is inherently better than, like, some fucking douchebag white guy up on stage.
2: Wearing a blazer over a t-shirt with a a game logo (laughs) on it.
1: (laughs) Chris is doing a great impression right now. You're right. The direct is just a better way of presenting things. (laughs) Uh, That's, I think, undisputed. But I'm going to have to pull clips from our last fucking podcast about the last direct that we just did a few months ago. It was bad we were ripping on it because it was just a bunch of like shitty kids games and fucking mobile titles and it was so bad and so poorly paced. And so it's like when when Nintendo does a solid 8 out of 10, this was an 8 out of 10 presentation. It wasn't an 11. It was an 8 out of 10 and that's awesome. That's great for Nintendo who usually finds a way to fucking take something great and fuck it up.
2: I'm just, I'm uh, I'm baffled because I don't know what your metric is. Because for me, this direct was like a 10 out of 10. Because I'm basing it off of prior directs, I don't know what your what what's the, what do you what's the, what's the scale? You're greater the yeah, curve what's the here. Scale? <laughs> yeah. So what's the next? Okay, what do they show at the next direct that's gonna give you a ten out of ten reaction? Oh, that's a big question. Okay, what's a, what's a good length for a direct? Like thirty minutes? Like about? thirty minutes. It was forty. Okay, Today, it so, was a little so long, but yeah. How many games is that? What are the games that they show? And what is th- what's dragging this one down for everybody? like i I just don't know like what you want it doesn't make sense to me (laughs) something you were talking about in the group chat was you wanted them to show wind waker coming to switch like for you that would be a cool thing for 90 percent of the audience that's like another wii u port that's that's a cool thing but it's not like a great thing that's a great thing for you and even then even if they showed wind waker and Twilight princess coming to switch you would be bitching because you're be like, oh, I have to fucking buy this again. I wouldn't be bitching. You'd be like, I, lo- I would love to play this again. I want to play this again. Bitch. This is going to be great. I'm super stoked. But you'd be whining about... No, I oh, wouldn't. All they had for Zelda 35th anniversary is a bunch of old games. Give me some fucking credit here. All I've been wanting is Wind Waker. I bought every Wii U
1: port they fucking put on this thing. I wouldn't be complaining about buying it again. I want to play it you on a fucking... You complain about buying 3D World again. Well, th- <laughs> after playing it's it again, fast. I was especially... Yeah, too fast. <laughs> But but Which it like is, but I agree but <laughs> I I want to point out that Z- The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker is probably the most revered Zelda game. No. The old heads talk about Ocarina of Time being this game changer but like a- as our generation Breath grew up Breath of the
2: up, Wild or Ocarina of Time. Breath of
1: the Wild is obviously the new contender. Dude when, Wind Waker is like low-key everybody's fucking favorite game, and it was and people hated it for so fucking long. It's not yours, no. and it's not Chris's.
0: No Chris is gonna fucking no. argue this. No, it's shitty. It's fucking terrible. It's fucking nope. terrible. Oh my no. god, no. EJ. Oh my god! How do you do Chris? that? How do you get me into this fucking argument every podcast? Like Wind
1: Waker sucks. <laughs> Every poll I fucking see from anybody in the gaming sphere about these fucking games. Wind Waker is the fan fucking favorite. It was charming. It was accessible. It holds up as far as like just being a quirky, easy, fun no,
2: it adventure. It doesn't. Show me the show me the receipts on that, EJ. I would love to see that. Insert audio here. Are you gonna go to windwaker.net and look at the poll on that website to see who what, what's everyone's favorite Zelda? I'm game? gonna Google. <laughs> Is Wind Waker everyone's favorite Zelda game, and I'm going to hit you with the first leak. <laughs> I'm all about that confirmation bias. I'll go. To, I'll go to Game Facts Visa or via 19 or 2002 when that game was revealed and show you all the, the people complaining about Zelda. Oh, I know. I,
1: I remember all that. People fucking hated it at first, but it it came around so quickly. Is people complain about it like being too easy, as if Zelda games have ever been hard and not just fucking arcane and obnoxious. Like, I guess if you want to be like, that makes a good game because I don't know what's happening and I'm fucking
2: frustrated. I think the pacing, the pacing was a nightmare in that game, but it is really cute and I think mechanically it works pretty well. And for the time, I think it was a really cool way to do a, a quote-unquote open world. But I mean, people love it because the way it looks and because they have nostalgia for the flutes and shit in the game music. But beyond that, I don't think it's anyone's most cherished Zelda game unless like you're just trying to be a, like contrarian
1: (laughs) i think there's a whole generation of people that you're discrediting right now who grew up with zelda and wind waker was the thing for them that said oh i get zelda now because i mean and, and the original game had some issues obviously that
2: the new one corrected i just think if you took every zelda fan and asked them what their favorite zelda game that wind waker would be a lot of people's favorite zelda game that is not that's not false but it is not the majority and I don't think it's anywhere close to the majority. I think it's, in the t- I think it's probably fourth as far as people's favorite Zelda game on like the most of those votes. I think it would go probably Breath of the Wild, Ocarina of Time, Link to the Past. Those three are interchangeable in any order. Breath of the Wild is the objectively
1: best Zelda game, I think, by default because it is the most modern. It has so many issues. Listen, I've played every Zelda game, every 3D Zelda game, and most of the 2D Zelda games. I don't like Zelda. And that's that's, and that's just fine. me. That's just me. That's fair. And so yeah. for a game like Wind Waker to stick out, may, maybe I am over sort of conflating its fucking cultural value. I guess I don't know.
2: Nintendo liked Wind Waker enough to make a sequel to it. Two sequels. Two I think. sequels. The Spirit Tracks also a sequel. Like, yeah, that is unheard of in the Zelda like timeline as well. Like they do not really tend to do sequels to these games. So the fact that they did two for fucking Wind Waker, like obviously people at Nintendo loved it enough there too. And I think it would be cool if they returned to that, 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 you know, side franchise in the Zelda series to do like another Wind Waker style game. Cause I think there's so much they can do now that they either weren't able or weren't willing to in that game, like being on the water you were so limited for a game that's 90% water. What you can do in the water is almost nothing. Link can't fucking swim, for God's sake. He dies in like 10 seconds in the fucking water. <laughs> yeah. Absurd. There's no iron boots or anything to do. With, uh, I don't know. That was like a missed opportunity, in my opinion. But I think it'd be cool if they return to that, that art style and that like gameplay. They could do like a core, you know, a classic kind of uh, dungeon based. Zelda game if they went to that art style. I think that would be actually really cool. I'd be really happy with that. And dude, I
1: know I'm biased because it, this hit me at just the right time and the atmosphere of that game and the music of that yeah, game. Yeah, you play
2: on that silver game It was the silver game? Oh or yeah. it was the black one. It the silver r- one. On the, ra- on the rack in yeah. your silver TV. Oh TVs. yeah, you're, yeah. You're all silvered out, bud. Come on, man. I was <laughs> fucking shining, baby. Playing that game super late too. You're playing that like 2006 and you're just like wow, I get it. <laughs> I initially
1: played it in middle school when Closed Shorten came out, but then I had, I, had, I had traded my GameCube for a Nintendo DS sometime in middle school.
2: And then my... F- probably like 0405 when that first came out. Was, or was the DS yeah. Lite? It was the, was it the was DS original light. DS that I traded my GameCube
1: okay, for. Okay, the fatty DS. Yeah. Then it was
2: probably 0405 yeah. in that range. Because the light came out in 05 or 06, I believe. 05. It was before the Wii. It was like that design aesthetic going into the Wii. It was like right. either early 2006 or like late 2005.
1: And then, and then in like 07... My buddy's brother stole a bunch of DVDs and CDs from like that. I let him borrow. He stole them and like sold them for drug money or some fucking shit, right? So my buddy, being a good friend, made up made it up to me by giving me his GameCube. Of course, I had gotten rid of mine two or three years prior. He gave me his GameCube to make up for the you know the lost value of the stuff that his brother stole, with like. The Zelda collection that had like right yeah all the three D games and the and uh and, and Wind Quest. Waker yeah the Master Quest and so yeah I was my like fresh late my freshman early my sophomore year that I was like getting back into those games and so anyway um I would be all in on a sequel to these games and 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 maybe I again I'm obviously biased but like I've played all these games and I played a lot of them sort of contemporarily right like it wasn't necessarily I'm just going back and trying to play this game. It's something that has never really sat with me. And I guess there's an argument to be made that like you play Zelda games for like different reasons probably explains why I'm so I don't lukewarm's not the word I'd use for Breath of the Wild. Like I, I I quite enjoyed Breath of the Wild, but you know, again, it's an eight out of ten for me. That's like a good that was a good game.
2: I'm sure when you got to the Rito Village and you heard the the different variations of that, that theme, the Dragon Roost Island theme song, I'm sure that hit you in a little bit, right? You
1: know the moment that really, really fucking got me? Because I remember the night. I remember the night I started the game. I was at my parents' house, and we had been hanging out. You started out. after
2: after we all left from playing yep. uh, Bomberman and 1-2 yep. Switch and being a little bit...
1: <laughs> yep. We were like, all right. Uh, okay, This well- is the Switch. I guess we got Zelda to go back to. <laughs> so I went in, and I booted it up, and lights are all off. I'm just on the handheld. I'm booting it up, and I'm just trying to take in the Switch experience. And I remember just like playing for the first two hours of it and being like, you know, I want to be into this way more than I am right now. Right? And I hearing you guys talk about it, I tried to give it the old college try a few more times. And it wasn't until I decided to fuck, I said, fuck the whole, like, fuck the story. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go look around, see what I can find. And I climbed to this fucking peak of this mountain. And there's this purple dragon up there. And I jump off the mountain, and I'm trying to I'm trying to land on this fucking sea serpent that's flying around. I'm trying to land on him from the top of the, the highest
2: mountain I can find, and I just remember being like, "Holy shit, this is crazy!" Yeah, that encounter is super cool. I love the the Hebra Mountain and the the corrupted dragon that you find yep, up there.
1: Yep, yep. That's that's it. That's exactly it.
2: I think the dragon moment for a lot of people in Breath of the Wild was like a huge like whoa kind of moment for. I mean, it was for me, especially because, like, the first thing I did when I got off of the plateau, like, it is, it's getting off the plateau and being like, wow, this place is really big, and there's, like, a lot of things going on here. There's a desert. There's a mountains. There's this jungle. I went to the jungle, so I found the dragon in the jungle area climbing up a waterfall and, like, going into the, the lake at the top, and, like, I was like, oh. I did not know this was in the game, and all the lightning is happening around it, and I have to, like, take off my, my metal equipment because I'm getting zapped by a goddamn lightning bolt. <laughs> right. You know what's funny
1: about that is like I had already gotten into this fucking game with with these expectations of like, well I'm going to be disappointed because I'm always disappointed. I'm a cynic. I I just I want to like things more but I just don't. And I want to feel those things. I don't want to I, I don't want it to be manufactured. I don't want it to be an obligation. I want to actually fucking like and enjoy things. And so I was already kind of resigned. I was like, yeah, okay. Like it was another one of those things of like, ah, depression strikes again, like another fun thing robbed. <laughs> and so when I got to that <laughs> moment with the fucking dragon, I was, act- it was like this genuine moment, which is why it sticks out to me. Cause it was like unprompted. Like it was just such a natural thing. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. I'm in on this game. And I'll always remember that fondly. And I liked that game quite a lot. But anyway, we we're fucking off the rails. All I have to say, I would be curious. Listen, if you're listening to this podcast right now, I want to know your thoughts on Wind Waker.
2: All right. What's our email, Nick? Where can they hit our line, bro? They can go to feedback at consulcrisade.com or email at consulcrisade.com, whichever, whichever floats your boat. Feedback. I like feedback. I think that's a better email address, person. Give us your feedback
1: if you listen to this right now because I want to know. i I want to get the people's opinion. All right? Andrew Chavez, Leaf Jaden, talk to us. Uh, another game that got a sequel, motherfucking WarioWare. About time. Yes. Let's go. Let's go. Those <laughs>
0: those games are so stupid and fun. I like and I was I love thinking them. like love them. I was like, what's the title gonna be? What's the title be were like where switched, WarioWare uh uh detached, or war something to do with Joy-Con. It's detached like, would
2: be really good. That's a good name. I thought
0: it's like <laughs> keep it together. And I was like, get that it
1: together.
0: It
2: doesn't make any sense, and I love it. It's perfect. The multiplayer focus makes a little bit of sense. I want to know how, what the control is like because they did not show. It looked kind of motion control and I hope it's not all oh, motion controls. please don't
1: do that to me.
2: Please because don't. Because they did that with the, the Wii one was really good with the motion controls. That was a lot of fun as like a party game sort of scenario, passing the controller and having to hold it in different ways. And that was really cool. I loved that game actually. But my heart is stuck with WarioWare Touched. Oh, I think that oh. is my favorite WarioWare game. So much Twisted fun. is cool. It didn't work as well as you wanted it to most of the time. And then I haven't really spent too much time, in a long time actually, with the Micro Mini Games original version. But that was a really good version too. WarioWare is just like an unsung hero in the, the Nintendo sort of catalog. Big fan. Ready for this one. Seeing Wario squeeze out a tube of toothpaste or plucking armpit hairs. You know, like, let's go, baby. <laughs> Here's the thing though. is
1: It's another one of those games that like, you know, in, in this era of AAA experiences, Like, can WarioWare just exist as this $60 possibly title? $50 50? title, they confirmed, yeah. Even then, like, a $50 title. Only on Nintendo, baby. Well, that's the thing is, again, (laughs) the fucking dorks like us who are like, yes, WarioWare. But even, like, WarioWare Touch, I go back and play and I'm like, Oh, yeah, I remember this. That's cute. But, like, I don't give a fuck. But I'm like, new WarioWare, let's go! Let's going $50 on it. I'm going to play it. I'm going to be disappointed by it because I'm a 30-year-old man. And that's, I guess, what Nintendo's kind of banking on. Because, again, and this is one of those things that, like, you can look at it as a negative thing. And I think in the long run, it's probably a positive thing. Where, like, the mobile game space, like, they do this. Right? The fucking Fruit Ninja and the, you know, whatever, like, the, the, the chintzy little fucking mobile games that you play with your fingers, that's where those games moved. So Nintendo doesn't have to do that. These companies don't have to do that anymore.
2: Yeah, not in the, the it's the collection of them. It's the, it's how everything is really weird. And that's like the whole point of all the games is them being a bunch of weird games. You're not going to get a game like this on mobile because the, the price model is not there for mobile. You're not selling games at full price. You're selling ads or microtransactions and you're hoping for whales to, to, you know, make your business make sense. So it's not like it is, but it also isn't. And if Nintendo made a WarioWare game, like a real WarioWare game and put it on mobile, it would be really cool, but it wouldn't make them any money. I mean, they tried Mario Run. They tried to make an actual Mario game on mobile and like it was cool, but it wasn't $10 on a phone cool, right? Like if that game was $10 on on Switch, it would sell. Like a one button mario game but also would they make a one button mario game on switch and sell it for ten dollars i don't think so so i think mobile and nintendo is like a strange sort of interactions to begin with but (laughs) and just like a a mini game collection is really cool and like i would see this as like a hey we're 10 like quote unquote well-known indie developers and we're making a mini game collection and selling it on steam or whatever for 20 bucks like that is what this game would be if it wasn't nintendo right and even then it wouldn't be, I don't know if it would be successful. Like what does success in that that context really mean? I mean there's that game collection literally, it was a like UFO 100 that is not like micro mini games like WarioWare, but it is like smaller sort of games and it's a collection of them from indie developers and that game was talked about 2018 or something like that and it hasn't ever come out because it's indie developers and they can't get games out in like a short amount of time because they're just doing it in their, their basement on the free time, so... I don't know. I'm stoked for for WarioWare. Though. Yeah.
1: No. Again, that's it's Nintendo preying on all the old heads with the nostalgia for this sort of thing. You know, pl- I was playing this in seventh grade on the bus to school. Right. Where you didn't have sure. a cell phone. I mean,
2: everything is nostalgia if you're around for 300 years, right? So WarioWare was a new game at one point, and it just was successful. So they just keep making it slowly but surely. Also, I'm glad it's not a create your own game like the last two ones were. 3ds and Wii U was a little bit disappointing as far as WarioWare yes, games go. Absolutely.
1: If Nintendo existed in this landscape that they were, like, strictly trying to sell to uh, a new generation of gamers, like, the, 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 the. which, I, I don't know what sort of hypo- hypothetical scenario is that, I guess, like, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. exist. But, like, yeah, but, like, a lot of companies are looking forward to, like, what's, what's, what are the kids into that? That's our market, right? And Nintendo is, like, in a lot of ways, they didn't just stick with, like, well, we're selling games to 10-year-olds. Like, Pokemon Company hasn't figured this out. But Nintendo, in a lot of ways, has it. They're, they are selling games to 40-year-olds. And they somehow make it work to where old-ass dorks who have this desire to connect with something from their childhood, they're able to do so, but also they're making games that my 12-year-old brother gives a shit about. After WarioWare, we got uh, Shin Megami Tensei 5. Which I only give a shit about because I picked this, I think, third in our fantasy critic draft, and I really need this to come through clutch as like an eighty, nine, ninety to even make it worth it here. Zero thoughts on this whatsoever. I don't know, Chris. Are you a Shimagami Tensei fan whatsoever? I am not, but just looking at the
0: gameplay for that, uh, I think that's going to be a ten or less for you,
1: for you. I think so. I it's think so too. Rough. I, that was my thought. And, you know, my thought going into it was, like, again, the JRPG fucking dorks, like, are going to save me on this. But then I saw how Bravely 2 did, and I said, ooh, man, maybe, after seeing this trailer, I'm like, maybe Shimigami Tensei gets dropped. Bravely
2: 2 is not nearly on the same level as a mainline Shimigami Tensei game. This is true. But that also means more expectations. And if Chris has taught me anything, it's that
1: expectations only leads to disappointment.
2: Yeah, I mean that's fair, and I think that there is the distinct possibility of that happening. But I also think that the only people that are willing to put the 80, 90 hours into reviewing this game are the people who would be fans of the series have played a Shin Megami Tensei game before or played a Persona game before. And I think that gives it better chance of it succeeding for you personally in this fake game that we play. Yeah. <laughs> I'm interested in checking it out. I wanna I wanna read some reviews and I wanna see if uh if this game is for me,
1: is this gonna be your your once a year like Christmas break JRPG?
2: I don't know. I mean, I have other JRPGs in the in the the vault, the lineup in the vault. Yes, definitely, I've got vaulted JRPGs. But it could be. Depends on if I put off Monster Hunter Stories or whatever. But
1: uh, we're gonna skip a couple of no name little things here. Fatal Frame ports. Okay, Wii U game. Ropa. Great Doom
2: Eternal DLC
1: came out today. Whatever. Strange, but great. Tony Hawk
2: Pro Skater One and Two, EJ's game of the year last year.
1: Um, I at one point, probably was like, if this comes to the switch, let's fucking go. But like, I don't care at this point. I played so much of that game. I don't. I don't necessarily need to buy it again to play it. If I want to play it as a pick up and go thing, just for fun occasionally, I'll do it on the PlayStation. I'm not spending full price on this game again because I played it
2: so sure. much. I got way more value. It's good that they uh, It's actually. It's not going to be. Uh, full price it's $40. So that's that's good that that Activision is actually one of the only ones that are willing to port their games onto Switch and then lower the price from the original. They did the same thing with Crash Bandicoot uh, 4. I'm pretty sure Tony Hawk was a $40 game anyway even on PlayStation Xbox, right? Maybe I'm I'm not sure but that sounds right, but just putting it on Switch, you usually expect it to be a $60 game because they yeah. want to they want to squeeze Nintendo fans.
1: Well, plus the yeah. the cost of produ- producing cartridges is more expensive yeah, than discs yeah, yeah. anyway. You're right.
2: You're right. After all this,
1: we got something that I was actually kind of excited about until I saw the gameplay, uh, which was Advance Wars. Yeah, uh, it was so hype,
0: and then it looks so dumb. It the looks whole like a th- shitty
2: mobile game. It should have been pixel art. It doesn't look super bad. It's it looks a little cheap, and I agree with you there. I don't think it looks terrible. I think that if they did pixel art. It would, be, it would look a lot better. I think it would be a lot more expensive to make. It is way forward making this, too. And they are like pixel art masters. And they announced at some point during this past like E3 week, they announced a sequel to River City Girls, which is an awesome pixel art game. So it could have happened. And <laughs> what you want to know what's really funny is that this game is $60.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so you're getting two 20-year-old Game Boy Advance games remade to look like a fucking... Awful, cheap mobile title, and the gameplay is going to be the gameplay. Like they're going to have to try pretty hard to fuck that up. Like these games are yeah. are critically acclaimed here.
2: It's not going to bring back the franchise. That's for sure. No, and that's, that's unfortunate. That's
1: disappointing. When I saw the, I mean, we you texted it right away. Like we, like we're like, oh shit, we do. Like, yeah, uh, it's going down. Twitter blew up about it. Um, it it was a bummer. I, I mean, if you're going to go 3D, I think that's fine, but like.
2: It just looks so cheap, and it looks a little flat, like with uh, the Pokemon remakes this year. Absolutely, the shading is a little bit weak. the The lighting is it is very bright, like disturbingly so. It's just quick and and glossy, and 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 just like it's just not very appealing looking. No, it's not very appealing looking, and I I don't know if that's like an art direction choice or if that's just I don't know why. It's it's not my favorite. I don't know. I don't think I'm gonna be getting this game. I, I, I could be totally wrong. I could be an asshole and buy it because I'm an idiot. But I don't know if I'm gonna buy this one. Not at sixty dollars. It's sad because I should be. I should be like, yes, I want this. Give it to me right now. But I'm hesitant because of how cheap it looks. I go forty. Forty would be good. Forty would be better.
1: I mean, Chris, did you did you play a lot of Advance Wars? No, but.
0: Josh and Joey loved it, and so I was really excited when the you know it seemed clear that oh this is Advance Wars, that this is gonna be my chance to like play these games that are so beloved to my brothers. and I went oh my god I'm not fucking playing that.
1: <laughs> yeah. we which is so here's the thing, and 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 I want to point this out not to not to be a dickhead here, but I, I just wanna I want to illustrate a point here. Nick, is how many times you've said graphics don't matter in a game, gameplay matters. It's not that graphics don't matter, it's that they don't matter as much as gameplay. The graphics are how you interface with
2: everything about the game. And if the game doesn't look appealing... And for a remake, I think it does matter in the context of why is this $60 versus how much would they charge for a package of the first two Game Boy Advance games, when that's the only difference. If this is the same game, same combat, same mechanical, like the way you control the game, then why am I paying $60 for these two games? Is it because they gave it a graphical pass? It looks like that's the reasoning. And and <laughs> so. and
1: it in the fact that it looks as awful as it does, it's like well, I'm I'm just if I want to play advance wars, I just go fucking download a ROM at this point. You know what I mean? I'll say it
2: again, I don't think it looks awful. It just looks cheap and it doesn't look worth $60 and it wouldn't be my first choice in the the the, the, the options. Yeah, I agree. totally. Like if they did a pixel art remake, I think it would be a lot cooler. But I don't know if people would be more willing to spend $60 on a pixel art remake of these two games either. I think just the fact that they're doing two Game Boy Advance games for $60 that are not named Zelda, because if they did this with like Minish Cap and if it looked like uh, Link's Awakening, then I would probably fork over $60 for that because I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right?
2: (laughs) So I think Advance Wars, it doesn't have the cachet to be brought back with $60. They should be asking us to accept Advance Wars into our hearts. Right, right. Expecting us to fork over, you know, full price for these two games. This
1: is what's such a bummer about At the end of the day, Nintendo being run by a bunch of dicks in fucking suits and ties who have no worry or care or connection to video games, right? It's a bunch of rich dudes trying to see how they can get richer. And the fact that like they could have done Advance Wars justice by first rolling out Game Boy ports in a virtual fucking console library and then doing a proper sequel that actually looks like it belongs in the Advance Wars franchise but Nintendo, as a, as, a, as a business entity, would rather show up, sell 200,000 units at 60 bucks a pop, than sell however many at $10 a pop just to port it. Like They would rather do that because this game wasn't that difficult to make. It didn't cost them that much to
2: do. No, yeah, this is a very risk-averse sort of move. It's the tried-and-true uh, games in a franchise that is liked but not loved. And, and and intelligent systems is not willing to go back to it they don't want to put the budget back into it because it was risky enough for them to even try doing fire emblem it was the big, as big as they did in 3ds and they found huge success with it they just want to stick to that because that's like the only thing keeping that company afloat <laughs> it is cool though i like the idea of you know relevant independent developers from the west developing a game in a franchise i mean it's a remake it's not really that much of them making a new thing but it is uh, Way forward, who has worked with large Japanese companies before to bring back franchises for them. They did the uh, what Bionic Commando for Capcom on the DS, however many years ago, and they're bringing back River City for Arc System Works and like the those old sort of games. So it's it's cool that Nintendo is letting uh, a third party developer make a real game, even if it is a remake. Like it's, it's I think it's hopeful for the future but the product that they're actually making is less interesting to me than that fact. Yeah. So that's a little bit sad that I'm more interested in WayForward making a game for Nintendo than I am for the game that they're actually making. <laughs> uh, the internet loved this.
1: People on Twitter were were very happy to see Adventure's back. It's one of those beloved franchises that like... Yeah. I mean, there's so many franchises that came exclusively to Nintendo that like the public perception has grown into this like frenzy they've over conflated this as being like a fucking pillar of Nintendo's lineup I guess and time yeah. does that right that's just that's just the nature of of. I mean the further we get away from these things I would put like
2: Metroid as like teetering at the top of that echelon yes, yes. into relevancy but yeah Advance Wars is definitely pretty low on that totem pole I put it down there with like F-Zero and like Kid Icarus as far as but well Kid Icarus doesn't care about next to ice climbers okay (laughs) ice climbers is at the bottom (laughs) that's sad come on there's one ice climbers game and it's bad (laughs) it's bad oh man at least like with the wars games i mean they started on famicom they were around for a long time there's game boy versions game boy advance is the first time they brought them over to the west and there was a few of those there and then a really like mediocrely received game or uh, ds game so it went the way of golden sun and just got the boot just sad yeah Man, that that is interesting to think about.
1: The golden, oh man, that golden sun. What it was? That radiant dawn.
2: No, the- radiant dawn was fire That's emblem. That's fire emblem. <laughs> golden sun, golden sun two, lost age, and then the the third one was was a dark dawn. I think it was dark.
1: It, see, I, I knew it was, uh, it was something like that. Okay, I'm not totally crazy.
2: Dark is the opposite of radiant. Yeah, you're, god damn it, you're right. <laughs>
1: radiant dawn, <laughs> was fire emblem. Well, of course I retained that bit of information.
2: Dark yeah, dawn, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: gloomy. <laughs> dusk (laughs) in the morning i don't know that's dumb anyway um after all this nonsense uh we got some hardware reveal finally we've been waiting on a fucking nintendo
2: hardware reveal for how long well it was the zelda you know finale oh
1: it was the zelda finale
2: yeah we get the zelda finale with reveal of some dlc for hybrid warriors which is like okay whatever and then AG Onuma being very sorry that Breath of the Wild 2 isn't coming out this year and showing off the the cute little Zelda handheld, which I'll probably get because I like Zelda more than I like Mario. Even though Mario games in general are better, I just have more fondness in my heart for Zelda and has Link's Awakening on it. So, of course, I'm going to get it. That's a thing.
1: (sighs) My collector brain, when I saw this... I went ding, 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 ding. And I was like, wait, I don't give a fuck because I don't collect things anymore. I don't give a fuck about those games. And I certainly wouldn't pay real life money for a piece of hardware that only plays those games that I can play in a million other places. But my heart immediately went out to Chris, who I thought, oh, Chris must love this. Chris has got to be the first one the gimme, month to buy this. Gimme, I want that <laughs> on my shelf. Do you, the, do you have the other Game & Watch that they released? Oh yeah, totally.
0: I went out day one. I didn't pre-order it, but I went out day one and and bought it. Yeah, they're still
2: available. Shout out to Nintendo for keeping availability up for those things. Have they kept availability for it, or did they overestimate how many people would give a fuck about them? They never overestimate.
0: No, it's the second. <laughs> I guarantee you, it's the second. Like the dudes at uh, Target, I went to go pick one up. They didn't even have a spot for it on the shelf, cause yet, cause no one was asking for it day one. I think I literally bought the first copy. I was like, "Are there any left?" And he's like, <laughs> "And he's like, bro, no one has bought this today."
1: Wow, like,
0: N- like no one had bought it.
1: Obviously, being uh, anecdotal, but
2: like, this is not the NES Classic, right?
1: Which was with both scarce
2: and sort of caching. There's no earthly the right reason why the NES Classic sold out as hard as it did. The demand on that was really unexpectedly high, in my opinion. I fully
1: anticipated that being something that everybody would want and that you couldn't find anywhere. Because that's just how everything is when you're a collector. When you're a collector, you definitely overvalue your collection. <laughs> this is true. That was until I sold it, and I was like, oh my God, I was sitting on this much cash the whole time. Thank
2: God I sold the thing. Imagine if, you, imagine if you waited until this year to sell all your stuff.
1: You know, I thought about that because the last... I mean, I saw it even even when I was selling things last summer, it was last June, July that I was really going hard on eBay. I was shocked at like how the pandemic and people being stuck at home and not having things to do, how that effect. I mean, I, I mean, I, I sold my collection for at least twice what I thought I would. Um, yeah. and it's funny cause I collect most, I, I kept most of the expensive things, you know? Right. So anyway, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, things have obviously gone up uh, more
2: since then, since a year ago, I guess. But, I'm just thinking as far as like my collection of Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games, I think, oh man, I spent a lot of money on Fusion. I spent like 35 bucks on that game. And that was a lot for it back when I bought it. But now I look on eBay and it's regularly going for 100. And it's like, that's, oh, that's the a thing. triple. That tripled. Dude, when I was
1: collecting heavy, my rule was like, if I spend less on this game than a AAA game would cost in 2015 or 2016 or whatever, like it's a win based on how prices were trending. And a lot of those games right. that I bought for 30, 40, 50 bucks, and you think, oh my God, I spent an arm and a leg on this retro game. Yeah, exactly. You, you go and like, oh, Chrono Trigger is a $210 game now. Don't regret spending $45 on it, right? Right. Yeah, it's and, and we all knew this was coming, where like the Game Boy Advance kind of parlaying into the, into the DS, the GameCube era, GameCube really
2: fucking took off in the last 18 months. Especially like JRPGs, stuff like Tails, stuff like... The fire the fire Emblem games I think are over two hundred now I think. Oh man, yeah. You know what? That's the one thing I actually I don't have any longer is the game. I think the games. Wii one. There was there was some of those RPGs on Wii that were like GameStop exclusive, or people had to sign petitions to get them ported to the West, like Xenoblade. That I think their their value has gone high. Xenoblade was an absurdly
1: expensive game because it came out so late and it was a GameStop exclusive. But at some point in the last couple of years, they like released new stock and it was like available on Amazon and now it's like
2: weird dirt cheap. Yeah, it was I only sold my copy for like 30 bucks. It wasn't worth anything. Do you, you don't think the, the Switch uh, HD remaster contributed to that at all? Like people trying to like, dip and just trying to sell their copies because they didn't, they were only holding on to it because it was the only legit way to play it. When did it and get was, a, like, a better way to play? When did it get announced? Um, I think it got announced because it came out last spring. I think it got a, oh, announced okay. September-ish of 2019. Okay, yeah. No, then yeah, I guess um, that may have had something to do with it. But you don't normally
1: see that um, when games like that get announced. You actually see the opposite. No, yeah. of Everyone, a lot of everyone's times.
2: like, "Oh yeah, now that we can play it somewhere else, it's going to be way cheaper." But no, it's it's usually it drives demand. It drives right uh, interest. In exactly.
1: You, you the prices end up going up after announcements like that. And sometimes on totally ridiculous games, like seeing the Crash Bandicoot games go up in price uh, after those announcements uh, several years ago. And it's always funny, too, when you see, like, when the mainstream market gets in on the collector's market because things that... Because the collectors inherently value things that are scarce, right? We don't value
2: things based on how good they are. Right, and then the normies are like, I remember playing this when I was a kid, which was the ones that everyone had.
1: Right, And so, and so the things that you... Suddenly you're like like Earthbound is an extremely expensive game, not because it's
2: necessarily any better than any other RPG or remembered. It's remembered because of Smash Bros. Nobody right. played that game when it came out, right. nobody bought it.
1: Well that's why it's so expensive. It has been, it's even more expensive now. But for years that was sort of the grail because they only fucking sold like a hundred and yeah, it's like two hundred thousand copies were sold in America. Right.
0: I'm never selling my copy of Earthbound. I'm never, never selling do my it. copy of Earthbound. It's and it's like I literally bought it in a box of garage sale games when I was in college. I took a look into the box. Yep. It had a Super Nintendo body dude. and like a dozen games. They come with the, the manual? No, it was just, it's just cart. So I, but it's I started sad. sifting yeah. through and I'm like, I think this is worth a lot of money. It was like $30 for the box and it had yeah. like yeah. super punch out. It had F zero. It had Earthbound. That shit.
1: Yeah. And I
0: That's never selling that thing.
1: There are certain items that will always sort of ebb and flow with like the mainstream, and like right now, GameCube games are so expensive, but those are going to drop again. A lot of them are anyway. Like Super Smash Bros. Melee is not going to be a fucking hundred-dollar game in three years. It's going to fall back to the fifty-six-dollar range, and that's just how it is. But it's the games that collectors know will always retain their value because of the rarity. And
2: yeah, it's always like weird, like niche shooters and like RPGs. Always RPGs value super well.
0: With the GameCube and, like, the GBA and now sort of the DS era coming up, like, it's the same reason why Super Nintendo carts started to go up in our, like, early adulthood, because the people who were kids or, like, young adults when they were playing them, they're adults now, and they have That's money, exactly, yeah. and they're and they're trying to fight it, and now, you know...
2: They're desperately searching for ways to relive their childhood.
0: <laughs> yeah, they yeah. want the GameCube games they played, and so it's gonna... It's only a matter of time until people are like, ooh, where can I get a copy of the... Where where, where can I get a copy of... Um, I'm trying to think of something on the Wii that didn't suck. Red Steel. In like five like years... $5 dollar Red, game. Red Steel's going to be like a $60 game again. Because yep. people are be like, oh, yeah, this was like, like the, the Wii
2: RPGs. Like Pandora's Tower. or is yeah. that the name of the game? I can't remember. There was like three like really low, high-profile RPGs that <laughs> came super late in the Wii cycle. Yeah. Well, it's always funny... And this is something that collectors fall into
1: even knowing better is like PS5 comes out, or even at the end of the PS4's life cycle, and you can go out and you can buy PS4 games for pennies on the dollar. And collecting for for a PS4 is so much different than collecting for a PS2 or or, uh, what we would consider a retro game console. But in 10 years, PS4 games are going to be fucking expensive. And we know better that it's like, well, these games will never be worth anything because X, Y, and Z. But we fucking know better because we've seen it now for 20 plus years. I mean, I started collecting video games in middle school and I've seen it and and not just like market trends and like uh things like coming in and out of the, the collective conscience, I guess, but also like personal habits, what I'm into and like, well, I'll sell this stuff because I'm never going to care again. Like collectors are idiots. Trust me. We're all dumb as fuck <laughs> and it's just funny to see how things ebb and flow and, and, and the more things change the more they fucking say the same. It's just the same cycle over and over and over um as these new generations of kids grow up and get real real jobs. So,
2: yeah, I wonder how that's going to change in the future with the availability of things on digital keeping like mainstream sort of people from like dipping into the market and driving demand on very common games versus like how that affects sales of physical and what people do with their games because there's nowhere to trade them in really. You get like mom and pop shops, but GameStop isn't really giving people money for their games it's not going to exist in 10 years probably and even like local game stores i don't think they're taking ps4 games on trade like what are they going to get from it no one's buying that yet and who's going to hold on to these games for 10 years to get rid of them like yeah it'll be very interesting to see like what that what that trends into like how long is the sony sony store going to hold ps4 games open now that ps5 is backwards compatible and you can buy all those games and play them on ps5 still is PS6 gonna be different? Is that gonna be is that gonna still be able to play PS4 games? Or are they gonna keep all their games from PS4 like to be sold? It's interesting. I don't know yeah. how that's gonna affect the future.
1: Dude, I would do some terrible things to go back to the days where I could go to a, a garage sale on my way home from work and come back with a box of games, or or Sarah would come back from the Goodwill with a purse full of fucking random Super Nintendo games that she got for three bucks a pop.
2: Right. If I could go back in time and invest in Apple Personal
1: joys, right? Things that you, you never think like... Like the act of collecting and like hunting these things out and getting good deals and being able to do this fun hobby on a budget was like a source of joy for me for, for 10 plus years. Um, And then it became a point where it became more of a burden. You got priced out. And I got priced out. And it was like, man, that really fucking sucks. And it is what it is. And it's like, I move on to the next thing. And It's funny how capitalism can price you out of the things you enjoy, huh? It's funny. I, I kind of not that I switched. I mean, I started collecting records probably in 2011. Um, but in the last two years, seeing what the secondhand LP market has done is just like, I wasn't ready to be hurt again after video games.
2: You know what I mean? Like I was expecting a few I more think, years of this. Now nah, you should have been ready. Wasn't it like 2016 or 2017 was the first year that vinyl dollar sales surpassed CD dollar sales. Yeah. So like you, you, the writing was on the wall at that point.
1: Well, I mean that, that that's less of a, uh, I think indication of like, I guess vinyl's popularity. I mean, it, more the irrelevancy of CDs and and LPs being. It can be
2: both, though. I mean, it was a growth
1: industry at that point. So. I mean, yeah. Listen, it's it's a collectible thing. It's not about the music necessarily, or it's not about the me, the physical media itself. Um, it just sounds warmer.
2: No, it's bullshit. This this, the, this this album that was mastered digitally sounds warmer on a piece of plastic. It's bullshit.
1: Let me tell you, as a collector of vinyl and someone who actually plays their LPs, it's bullshit. They don't sound better. It is a huge pain in the ass. It is only because I'm a sick person who likes spending money and collecting things.
2: Yeah, you like the big cardboard re- or square.
1: <laughs> yeah, you see back here behind me, maybe, it's just this gigantic yeah. bin of fucking records over here. Um, it is only because we are mentally ill. And people and here's the thing. here, Here's what you gotta do as a collector. And I'm so off the rails here, but you are gonna have... It's such a better time enjoying your fucking hobby as a collector when you just grow up and admit that something's wrong in your brain and you just want to enjoy yourself. When you try to justify your habits by like, oh, Vital just sounds so much rich. Shut the fuck up. It sounds so much worse than just blasting this thing on a Bluetooth through a good sound system. <laughs> just fucking enjoy collecting the things you like. And enjoy it how you want to enjoy it. You don't have to fucking try to be Mr. Hipster about it and pretend it's better than it is. It's fucking not. Collect your cardboard, weirdo. Put it in a fucking picture frame. I don't care. I mean, I do. That's also dumb, but at least like
2: be honest about it. I respect that more. I think a lot of the the point of having a hobby is to be able to say that you have a hobby. It's to do the thing. No, it's not to do the thing. It's to say that you do the thing. It's the well, that's being silly. able to talk about it and to be like to find a community of it. Maybe. No,
1: but that's what's so funny for me as a as a guy who's collected things, it's like I'm not really ingrained in the community. I have no other friends that collect records. I don't talk about collecting records. I talk about music with
2: my friends. I listen to music. Yeah, I make music. I think you're a little bit. I think you're a little bit in the minority there. But we also we went to we we went to Portland Retro Gaming Expo,
1: and I had a lot of fun, man, doing that with my buddy who was also yeah. collecting games at the time, albeit in a much different manner than me. Probably right. that was good for you. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I had a great time. Yeah. That no, was fun. I, I, I had a good time. Sometimes, and I'm not kidding, I did this during the pandemic at one point. I pulled up that fucking video. I, I showed Sarah that video where like
2: those kids came up to us and they're like, are you Gerard? And they were like asking everybody with a beard if they were Gerard the Completionist. Which is a funny bit in retrospect, but I had no idea who that guy was. Yeah, you were like, what the fuck time. is going on? These fucking kids ask me these questions. <laughs> This is weird. This is a weird time for
1: me. <laughs> dude, it's so funny because in the video, I remember the booth we were at. The guy My beard looked really good at that day too. So I'm happy about that. That was when you, you grew it a lot longer at that point than you do oh, yeah. now. You keep it nice and tight now, but you, you used to really it's too itchy. It's too itchy. Yeah, dude, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta ask Chris. I have zero beard itch. I, I've had a beard now, full beard. How long is this? I I zero beard itch. This is doesn't bother me one iota. I guess I'm in the morning there, too. Chris, does your beard bother you now that you've grown a nice little Obi-Wan Kenobi thing? Uh, Well, first of
0: all, thank you. Um, And I mean, like, I, I no, I, I try to, I'm letting it get a little mountain man this summer, but, like, I'm keeping it off my neckline. And, like, as long as I keep, like, this, this, like, under chin, not quite neck area, the, the Majin
2: beard, <laughs> the Majin, <laughs> the Majin beard. beard.
1: Oh God! Yeah, I, I just have to.
0: I just have to. I, I just have to make sure thrilling, it, thrilling audio, audio content right now. Yeah, no, showing right. Really... showing off our beards. We're measuring. Um, as long as I uh, keep <laughs> on, let me that unzip. <laughs> little area clear, uh, it doesn't get like weird and and bunchy. Plus, I slept wear a mask. Uh, at work, I'm working with kids who are not eligible to get their uh vaccine. And right. so I'm barely aware of it a
1: lot of the time, anyway. Uh, but like, no, not really, not not particularly. That's the thing is, it definitely bothers me the first like three weeks that I'm growing a beard, and that I've always dealt with. Like, you, you don't shave for a week and you itch. But like, once it grew out, like I fucking forget it's on my face completely. And so I guess I'm lucky in that way. I guess it's compensation for the fact that my beard looks like ass and it's red. And this—it's like the one consolation—is that it's not a horrible, obnoxious thing to have to endure in order to have it. So, although I would take an itchy beard if I could grow a beard as good as Nick's. So,
2: I think just for me, my my beard hair, like the actual consistency of it, it's a lot. It's very coarse. Mm. My beard hairs are much thicker than the hairs on my yeah. head. Yeah. So it it it's wiry, and when it points in on itself and it gets a little dry, it traps the oils in different ways than like on my head. So even if I like. Cause I do, I do shampoo and I do condition my beard and I do like try to keep it oiled to try yeah. and like maintain that moisture going, but it's a lot of upkeep when it gets longer for less benefit and it gets a little, it gets, I get like, it's like bed head, but on my beard Interesting. and it's hard to like maintain that, like the look of it, it starts looking bad and I just don't want to have to like worry about that. If it's shorter, I just have less to deal with. So I just total benefits and like trimming the neck and keeping that lined up and keeping that looking like less, like I just don't care. It's something to care about. I have never, I have never trimmed the neck.
1: I I I get beard hairs
2: like up on my cheek, like uh, almost halfway between my beard and my Oh, look at fucking Teen Wolf over here
1: bragging about his luscious locks. Make me feel bad.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I have to trim. I have to trim up like near like my eye, between my eye and like my sideburn. I have to trim up here. Otherwise, I just have these like long thick hairs that are just only two or three of them, but it just looks weird. You gotta trim that up. Fair enough. You gotta trim your unibrow a little bit. You know, you gotta you gotta maintain your your uh, your, your lines. Keep that lines clean. Nick, you Should look you... you look good. You you look well kept. I'm a jealous. Low res cam does wonders for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right. The the fucking blurry bl- background is bleeding onto my my features here.
0: Do we have any games left to talk about?
1: Like, no, that's we, it. We're done. Breath of
0: the Wild two.
2: We haven't even talked about. Well, yeah, it. we did.
0: Barely. Yeah, we we kind of did. I mean, what's to say? Like, you can. F- float around floaty bits and it's not coming out till next year,
2: so I don't fucking care about it. They showed a lot of gameplay. They showed less than five minutes. A arm being corrupted by a calamity goo and then later using that same arm as like a mechanical Sheikah slate. He has a mech arm. That's cool. He's reversing time with specific things. Like he's taking his stasis power and churning it on its head and like sending blocks in reverse, (laughs) sucking puddles of water in reverse. He's like meshing his body through a sky island and like crawling out of it. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> I, I've said this for a while now, though, that like Breath of the Wild 2, if they just go back to Hyrule the way it was in the first game, it's going to be, it's just going to be a way worse game, right? The the part of the, Part of the thing about that first game was the discovery of this whole new world. And I thought, oh, Definitely. if they want Breath of the Wild 2 to really take off, we need to go through a motherfucking portal and visit a whole different place, and they need to start from scratch.
2: Yeah, I thought that either they're gonna do like time travel or go underground. I did not expect Sky Islands to be peeled off from the ground and floating upwards. I think they teased that a little bit in the fir- in the first trailer when they had Hyrule Castle shaking up and stuff. Right. But I did. I don't know if they showed it like lifting, because it's definitely in the sky now. <laughs> I thought that
1: kind of funny when they're like Breath of the Wild too. It's Breath of the Wild, but now. You have to fight Ganon up there.
2: <laughs> Skyward Sword, Breath of the Wild. Oh, great. Makes a lot more sense why they're remastering that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it does. You know,
1: I don't want to judge it before it comes out, but, uh, you know.
2: It looks awesome. It looks, like you said, buttery. Looks really cool. Switch Pro, imminent. It does look I good. I so.
0: it does, It did look really good, in all seriousness. Um, even though it's not coming out the next year, so I'm losing our Fantasy Critic League. Uh but it, sorry, man. It, yeah, it's fine. I <laughs> you swing big, you win big, or you lose big. There's no middle ground. Um y- yeah, I'm intrigued by this. Uh something that I didn't realize, and then the internet alerted me to is that in the original Breath of the Wild, when they are telling the myth of the original hero of time, uh It looks like motherfucking Ganondorf on the hieroglyphs. It does not look like Link at all. It is a big dude with long flowing red hair and a fucking pig face. It's Ganondorf and so this idea that this is like, like a tragic fall sort of thing with like Dorf was the original hero of time. The original hero was a Gerudo. It wasn't a Hylian and that there was a fall to darkness and that's how the calamity came about. Like that gets my dick hard in a big fucking way oh. like i i i would be hyped you, to have some like you, real plot
2: i think that's a possibility i think you read indeed ganon could be original hero of time and it is now in encapsulating link and he is becoming that to fulfill a time loop prophecy and that the stuff in the sky could be in the past or in the future or what's the difference and it's so
0: cool and why <laughs> why is it mummified underneath, presumably, we don't know for sure, but strongly suggested why is that person, presumably the same one from the uh the same one from the uh the placard in the myth, why are they why are they mummified underneath Hyrule Castle? Or if just they're, underground in general. Yeah, if they're not happening there, the original hero that of spiral
2: time. of like blue glowing energy and then it changing into the red like corrupted calamity energy. Yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff. They showed they showed it's a super dense trailer and obviously YouTubers are going to be going crazy about this shit for the next six months and I'll be stupid enough and watch maybe five of them and be like, oh, it's really cool idea and like have my own ideas and then everything be completely wrong or totally right when the game eventually comes out. But I think they showed I think what they showed was really cool, both lore wise and mechanics wise. They showed they showed a lot of gameplay stuff in this trailer. And it's all cool things that I wouldn't have thought that they would do. Like, I had, I, don't, I never had, like, an idea of what they would be doing as far as mechanics and, like, what your, what your gameplay is. But having the, the Sheikah Slate arm and Link just throwing a rock back up a hill into these bokoblins that are very basically changed, but not very much. Whoa. Having th- that encampment on the Talos, so tight. <laughs> yeah, the, just seeing that go and, like, stand up, I went, ooh. And one of them, like, blowing the horn to, like, summon it and it just standing up. It just looks really cool and they showed very little, but they, it was very dense and I, it's exciting and seeing like just such a minor change, like minor changes, like Zelda having shorter hair or Link having his hair down is like, it doesn't matter at all, but it's still a minor change that like, why would they change it? What is, what are they trying to say? What? What, what is the implication? What's, what does it mean? Is you know? it, it's cool. is it it's, Link? It's, is it Link? Yeah.
0: Are we still Link? You you do know that in the entire trailer, we do not see their face one time, right? The entire video, not one shot of Link's face. Link's face.
2: I mean, we see the arm and the arm is also shown on Link being uh, taken by the Calamity. And also it wouldn't be Zelda because it is literally a toga and they're not going to have a game with Zelda with one boob hanging out.
0: (laughs) No, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's Zelda either, but I also don't necessarily think it's the Link that we know from Breath of the Wild especially with the skyward Swordy elements and the potential for like time fuckery. Uh, this could be a different, a different hero of the wild from a different stage of the timeline of this Hyrule. I
2: just think that like, I think it's, po- I think it's, I, I I don't think that's impossible, but I think it's highly unlikely, highly unlikely. Uh. <laughs> oh, that's
1: one day. That's, that's one to end on. It's going to take a Hylian effort to uh, make Breath of the Wild 2 distinct and unique and and a worthy successor to not only what Breath of the Wild did, but also how people have conflated Breath of the Wild 2 as being the best video game of all time in their minds in the five yeah. years since the game came out.
2: For sure. It's it's much harder to impress people with a sequel than it is a new thing. So, But if
1: anyone can do it, I don't want to give Nintendo that much credit. We hope they can do it. I think what they've shown is impressive. Yeah, it's been cool. It's it's like, all right, it's something different, um, especially how definitively the last game ended. It's like, well, where do you go from here, right? Fucking with time sounds like the way you would fucking do it, right? You just expand on that, and and I, I'm all in on that. And you know what I love is when time travel mechanics are done right in the actual gameplay. Like, Titanfall 2 did Um, time travel slash, like,
2: I guess, like, dimensional fuckery like in such a fucking great way yeah ca- effect and cause um i think there's the possibility for this game to be like legend of zelda braid of the wild with the with cool time loop stuff I, i'd i
1: be super into that that'd be cool that's awesome
2: and it's another like unique way to just incorporate
1: puzzles in a game oh, where man, you probably this game
2: every so good right oh man but, like
1: you can't do 120 dun- uh uh shrines again so like our dungeon's gonna come back Time travel fuckery is another way you can 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 bring back the bite size puzzles again without necessarily having to be like, all right, you have three places to go this entire game.
2: Or yeah, or how how much is on the ground? How much is in the sky? What what's that what's that balance look like? They showed stuff that we don't know if this is all early game stuff. We don't know what the context for a lot of these interactions are. And Zelda Breath of the Wild had a very okay. Here's the beginning area where you're getting all your stuff, and then. Here's a hundred hours of doing whatever the fuck you want with those four things. Right. So there was no early late game. There was like the beginning and then everything else. And then everything else. So I wonder what the, what the, what the pacing for this is like, what is it a more linear sort of experience? Could they go back to that? Would people be upset if they went back to that? What would we think of it? You know, everything is up in the air at this point. And 2022, they, they said in the press release that they're aiming for 2022. So there's still a possibility that it goes Ah, to 2023, 2023, baby. Yeah, when they said aiming, I went, "Oh no, Mm-mm, we're not yeah. seeing that yeah. thing." And to think that there was anyone who thought it was coming out this year is still a little <laughs> bit funny to me. I know Chris, Chris was <laughs> hoping, <laughs> but he also hoped for Final Fantasy 16 and, you know, bless your little heart. Neither of those companies had a
0: holiday release title slated, and frankly, they still don't. So, I guess joke. Well, no, I guess the well, old no, metric comes out in Metroid
2: Dread is October twenty sixth. Oh,
0: and that's not my goodness. It's not a. It's not a headliner. I mean, you all need to buy it because we need more people to buy it. But it's not a headliner. So yeah, I. Fucked, you, you can buy You can buy it for up. us.
1: You buy it for us. Yeah.
2: It shows. Merry it shows Christmas. a lot of. Um. It shows a lot of. I don't know what the word I'm thinking of is, but to see Nintendo put that at October and have nothing else, makes me think that they think it's a great game and it's going to sell well if they market it well. Yeah. Totally. It's, that's the Odyssey October 8th, slot. October not 26th. <laughs> yeah, Odyssey was October 26th. This is October 8th. I was getting those two dates mixed up. Mario Party is also late October. And that sold really well. Super Mario Party sold like 10 million copies. So obviously people are idiots for Mario and multiplayer Mario. So just looking at their slate as like what's later this year. I think it is Mario Party is their big October game. Sometimes they do... Um, another like november december game like with the uh, xenoblade or smash bros but i yeah. i don't know if they would be so bold as to wait until september to talk about something that late in the year and like why wouldn't they show it now unless they were not certain that it would make it this year and then seeing how development goes well fellas i got a bladder full of beer
1: that is the e3 press conference i had fun bullshit about that we got it. i got it off the rails there I appreciate Elden you. Elden Ring. Humor me. Listen, I was off by three weeks. Three weeks. And I get zero okay. points for it.
2: You can first bet it at our on our January 1st, uh, 2022. Fuck that shit. Fantasy draft. We drafted yeah. when? February, March? Yeah, we well, were late. We were late. Fuck, we can, we can, man. We can totally We can totally get back on track with that next I'm year. fucking yeah.
0: boned, man. And I'm going to swipe it from EJ. I'm going to fucking swipe it from fucking him for Fucking go XS's for it, it bitch. Draft. I'm swiping Metroid from you. While we were on this uh, call, I bid exactly $82 on Metroid Dread, which is one more dollar than EJ can afford. Uh, So congrats to me.
1: I own that now. And that leaves you $11 for everything else? Here's the problem. I only have one slot. So I can only really get one more game. So that $82 is virtually useless to me unless they announce like... No, it's useless to me at this point. I'm like trying to find a a banger of a game I can spend my money on. Uh, Anyway, that's disappointing. Classic Crusade Podcast. Get us out of here.